I just, I don't like, I feel like if I'm naturally, when I sit on a couch, I just, uh, I melt. Yeah. And I don't like doing that now. I try and like keep at least my spine upright. And then, uh, yeah, I usually, uh, that's the setup. But what's going on, man? This is it. We're, we started. Hell yeah. That's my intro. Fuck yeah. What's going on, man? How are you today? I don't know if you want to do uh, a little intro for yourself. I, I was going to say, it's funny because I waited at one point. I was like waiting for you to pronounce your name because seeing it spelled, Aaron. I instantly was like, this is Aaron. Yeah. It looks like Aaron to me. Yeah, it's uh, A-H-R-E-N. I was like, so I'm curious to Aaron. see. Yeah, you're going to have to pull that closer. I can hear you, but no one else will. You gotta like literally touch your face. Hello, yes, yes. Yeah, my name's pronounced Aaron, so it's A H R E N. So you break the A H, and then the R E N. Ah, Ren. Ah, Ren. Exactly. Sick. If I was a pirate, be R. <laughs> but yeah, what's what's going on, man? I I, I was curious. You know, when we first kind of like linked up on Instagram, and. Um, you know, we were talking about this. I was like curious as to like why you kind of stumbled on like doing what you do and uh, with your podcast. And I was curious of like, how are you making your money? Like, I'm always curious when I meet people, especially in like the podcast and like when, when they're like a, a trainer or a coach, I'm always curious of like, is this guy some sort of like a pyramid schemer or like, <laughs> I, do you ever feel like that or no? Like with a, like a lot of like the mental health realm of yeah, people? Yeah, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. For me, my podcast costs me about $600 a month and I make no money with it. Yeah. Oh, I, dude, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. It costs me. So I have a team that publishes my podcast. My podcast called The Mental Dietitian. And I started it. I, I thought about it for years. I wanted to start a podcast for years, but I didn't have the courage. I was just, I would make up stories and months would go by and then a year would go by. I'm like, oh, it's kind of this idea. And then my friend Gabe sent me a podcast from this guy called Kevin Palmieri. And Kevin Palmieri, I listened to this podcast and he helps people start podcasts, right? That's what, that's what he does. He's like a podcast coach. And I was listening to this guy's podcast and he was like, yeah, he, he basically just had this story of like grinding really hard at a job, going all in to podcasting and now he's making it. And like the way it just, it just captured me. Like I was the ideal client avatar. If you know anything about marketing or anything, it's like I was his ICA. I listened to it and I was like, fuck. I, I sent him a message on Instagram and Kevin, he's a good friend of mine now. I've never met him. He lives in New Hampshire uh, on the Eastern coast. I think mm -hmm. he lives in New Hampshire. Hopefully he does live there. Around Maybe. There. Yeah, uh -huh. like East coast, Maine kind of area, like that kind of area. And yeah, dude, we talk every two weeks on Zoom, but he sent me a video back. The, what he does, which is really interesting, is when you send him a message on Instagram, he'll literally record a custom video, like, hey, Aaron, like, hopefully I got your name right, and send it back to you. I was like, this guy's fucking cool. Sent, linked up on a, on a call, started the podcast that way, and that was 97 weeks ago. So I've had ni a weekly podcast, and it's been, shit, dude, it's almost been two years. I'm almost at 100 episodes. That's sick, man. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. And so you got you have a team? Yeah, it's like a, he has a team. I just record it on fucking Zoom. Oh, right, right, and right. And then drop it into a Google Drive, and they make the Instagram reels. They make, um, they publish on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's nuts. It's funny because uh, I was like the, I was the opposite. Like when I first started, I, w I, I first started because it, it originally like 
excuse me. Um, I, I had like that volunteer service thing downtown and then I was like, I want to get more volunteers. Uh, we were just like handing out food and clothes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, we should film some of this stuff. And then I was trying to make like a highlight reel of it. Like of like, oh yeah, this is a sick video of like us pulling up and this is like the fun we have, like the good time. Cause there's so many p- different characters you meet down there. So many laughs, like so many funny times, like, and, and my type of humor, like it's just like it works really well with those, that crowd. Yeah, because they're a bit bit rough around the edges. Edgy, yeah, 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 edgier. So like I, I like could let loose and like really have fun, and uh, we ended up like I tried to film one video, and we ended up just like talking to this one person for so long, and I was like, this is kind of fun. Like that was like I want to do this, and then um, yeah, we ended up not doing the. Uh, the volunteer service any longer and and covid hit and i was like i still want to do something like this so i started like interviewing people on the beach like at jericho and kitts beach cool and then uh nobody was like that was like the the winter of death where like nobody (laughs) wanted to talk to people in public anymore or anything like that we had time so i was like i gotta find a way to still do something like this and i was living at home in my parents place and i was like starting to like venture of like i'm gonna start recording some stuff by myself but i was like too scared to have like my family hear me through the walls like it was so embarrassing of like oh who do you think you are like doing this like youtube thing or whatever so i was just like too scared of that so i would do it in my car i just like (laughs) or like walking through a park or something like that and then uh yeah it just slowly morphed into like you know, talking about different ideas or concepts to just like, okay, I'm going to break this down on my own. And now it's just become like uh, my solo episodes are literally just like a verbal journal entry at this point. Mm. And then anytime I have conversations with people, it's like, I like, I'll just do it whenever I feel like it with someone that I actually want to talk to. And it's just a conversation. Like, yeah, that I found that I've had, I've had guests that like, Oh, what's your structure? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have a structure. I want to I have a conversation because I feel like that's where the gold nuggets are. Yeah. Like you'll just be having a conversation. All of a sudden, something will come up. There is a natural flowing conversation and then you have it. It's, it's magic, dude. Yeah. And if I make a structure, I won't stick to it. And then I just feel like a loser. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. Have all these expectations. But I agree. I had a guy one time that he wouldn't come on because I wouldn't. He's like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, what do you want to talk about? That's usually the way I respond to it is like, do you have anything you want to talk about? Like, Mm. I just want to talk. If you don't want to just talk, then this is going to be weird. Because people are trying to sell (laughs) shit. People are trying to sell shit. They're like, dude, I've had had one episode where this guy was like trying to plug his stuff into the episode. And I was like, it wasn't authentic. Yeah. It wasn't. I could just tell. Like, I would ask him questions. He'd be like, that's a great question, Aaron. Actually, it reminds me of the time I'm like, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, dude, like you just, just be you. Like, let's just be two dudes, or just whatever. Let's just chat and like, yeah. and let's see where it goes. Yeah. I don't know where it's gonna go. I have no idea. That's what the magic is. It's like you end up in this place, and it's like cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, actually, funny you say that. Pulls out a <laughs> pulls out a cue card. Or the, I was waiting. I yeah, knew yeah. you'd ask yeah, me about yeah. something like that. 
That's awesome. So, so you've been doing it for a couple years now, and and that's a pretty cool process because. I always tell people like when if like they're like oh what's it like or I want to start a podcast or like I even have friends right now that are like we should do YouTube together like we should make some content together and there's some good ideas but I'm like usually what I say is like the barrier to entry is like how much fucking time it takes mm. like to sit and record and then the recording is actually like the easiest part like it's like a lot of the times it's like you have one episode and then I always tell people Think of the duration of that episode and then imagine having to listen to that like six times, probably minimum. Like, you know what I mean? So like just the time chunk, like, and you can do things like speed it up and do, but like for me, I, I like, I sit and listen to every episode and then like, that's where I'm like harvesting ideas for clips or like, I'll hear things and I'm like, I don't really like the way I said that or like, what a weird place. A lot of the times it's like introspective of like, why would my brain go through that train of thought? Like you like catch little things like that. It's so funny you say that because this is going to sound really weird to people. And maybe it's something, it's definitely, not maybe, definitely something I need to change is I have never listened to any of my own episodes. Not once. Yeah, yeah. You got to change that. Yeah. Wow. Because I've done it a few times and I know exactly what I'm going to say next. Like I'm listening to it. I was like, like I forget the conversation. I listened to one with Kit Dale, who's a really cool jujitsu guy. Mm-hmm. And I listened to like maybe half of it. And I was like, I already know where this went. And like, it was a really great episode. But maybe there's a part of me that like, yeah, it's weird, man. Like, it's like, I don't want to listen to it because I don't want to jinx it next time by being too in my head, mm-hmm. which is, it's interesting. Maybe I, Maybe it's okay that I don't listen to it, but also on the flip side, it's like, well, how do you know there's these little unconscious cues or little things that you do often that you're like, hey, man, you got to change that. Maybe you talk Mm -hmm. too much there. Like maybe, yeah. So I haven't done that, dude, which is wild. Because I think it's because I don't edit my videos. I just drop it in a Google Drive folder and they do it all for me and I get the published version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you don't even listen to that? No. I have a couple times. I don't listen to the published version actually that that often. The only time I'm listening is when I'm editing, mm. and it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. Is like because you're just basically like my editing process started off as like I I want to cut out all the ums and the likes and the dead space, any silent space, and then I realized how useful some of those things can actually be in terms of like dramatic effect and stuff like that, but also just like a natural feeling conversation sometimes if things are too polished it's like weird feeling whereas like when i listen to podcasts and i hear people have to pause and think or make a mistake and have to go back and correct themselves like they're like okay i'm actually diving into the way this person's brain works and it like humanizes it more you can connect with but um you can connect with whatever they're saying more because they're not this fucking polished <laughs> person that is saying all these perfect things and they never say like or um and they never make a mistake or stumble on their words. Like, yeah. That's why people, I think that's why people love Joe Rogan's podcast because it's just him basically doing what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Just shooting the shit. Yeah, he just has the best people in every industry ever. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's different. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I, I think a lot of the times there's, and, and I've I've kind of like fluttered on this because I obviously listen to a lot of podcasts that are like big name people, but um, I I struggled listening to other 
like grassroots podcasts for a while because I'd be like, why would I listen to this person? Why would I do like I listen to my idols? Like that's who I listen to, mm. and like actually starting to listen to more people around the same experience level, the same like uh, age or demographic or whatever it is. Like the more I've like it, it normalizes a lot of the things where you hear them talk about because it's like you're listening to two comedians talk about how they've missed their first class flight and this person botched their steak at a restaurant. You're like. It's fun. It's funny. They can make good jokes about it. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's classic service industry, classic airline industry. But it's like I ride a plane maybe like once every five years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's not like, relatable. Whereas like when you hear someone talking about like, yeah, I'm trying to run a business and like balance in my training and I'm dealing with like my, my girls bitching at me on this side. One of my buddies is going through this and you're like, Oh fuck, dude! Like that's literally how I feel. Like, yeah, it's some like, real shit. All the same shit that yep. I deal with, like, and that's most people. Most people are that. That's why sometimes the more successful people get, the less their fan base actually, um, the less their fan base connects with them. Like that. I don't know if you know who he is. Everybody knows who he is. That Sam Sullet guy. Yep. He is very interesting because you watch his videos. You're like, it's kind of just boring, dude. Like he's just kind of talking, and but it's like. He's just in a gym in somewhere, it seems like Midwest America, just being a normal fucking dude. Yeah. just And it's crushing it. Like, he's just absolutely crushing it. And it's this, it's like people, if if he started getting like a Lambo, if he got a Lambo right now and started like doing all this crazy shit, I think all the grade 10 to grade 12 kids that follow him, all that would kind of change. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... We have to be relatable. And that's like these grassroots podcasts you're talking about. That's that's us. Like we're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. There's there's so many people that it's it's kind of funny because I think that about myself too sometimes. It's like, why would someone listen to this? And I think that so often about like so many things that I see blowing up. You're like, who listens to this? Like who's watching this? People watch it too. I know, I know. Oh, dude, I know. And it's, it's so, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you ever get into your own head about that of like, sure, who the fuck would listen to this or watch this? Yeah. I, 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 sometimes I'm like, why am I even doing this podcast? Like I thought I'd be making money by now. I thought I'd have more <laughs> downloads. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going backwards. Sometimes I don't even want to record the podcast, dude. Sometimes I'm like, I have nothing to fucking talk about. Like I'm going through my own stuff or I'm just like. Like, I don't feel qualified to talk about anything right now. It's like, well, maybe that's what you should talk about. Hey, dude, I'm fucking having a shitty week. I, I don't really feel fucking qualified or have, like, I have anything to talk to. Do you guys feel like that? Like, everybody feels like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this weird thing that I just know if you keep going with it, something will happen. I yeah. don't know what it's going to be, though. I have no idea. Yeah. I know from for myself, like, I, I was like... Oh, maybe after the first year, I'll have this many subscribers <laughs> or a YouTuber. And now, like, after doing it for, like, three, four, I think I'm, like, three and a half years now, like, a couple hundred episodes, and it's, like, there's so many times where I'm, like, why am I doing this? Like, I literally pay to do this. It takes up a huge portion of my time. Like, I'm already trying to do other things with, like, a family business and, like, training and relationship. Like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, the, the amount of hours a week it takes for me to do this. And I'm like, 
it seems to have pretty good returns. I get to meet a lot of cool people that I've never fucking would have met before. Mm. Like just that alone, like the fact that I've actually had cops and doctors like sit down and talk to me. I'm like some random fucking college dropout carpenter. <laughs> That's fucking sick. <laughs> and like, like some doctor will sit down and talk to me about depression and addiction. And That's fucking cool. And it's just like a lot of us think of success of like, oh, it's not making me money, but it's like, that what that right there do that a couple of hundred times with a couple of hundred different people like the network you have the people you know the oh, things yeah. that, that like the like you know you don't know where that will go I have no idea like i'm friends with people like i had this guy ian mccall on my podcast who fought demetrius johnson for the first Holy flyweight shit. title the very first flyweight ufc title and he was like yeah dude i was addicted to opiates basically the whole time in my ufc career and what? I was like, whoa, dude. Like, and he's a psychedelic advocate, so he's heavily into like psychedelic research now. He wants he's got a he's got a um a foundation called Athletes Journey Home. I think it's Athletes Journey Home, Athletes Way Home, where he's he's um people with traumatic brain injuries, he's taking them down to Peru and he's working with some people in a university in Peru and studying what ayahuasca will do to traumatic brain injuries in fighters. Mm. like he's, he's working with people like i think he's got kane velasquez working with him oh shit yeah like he's 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 friends with like chuck liddell like fucking cool guy wow really cool guy and like i did my it's called being true to you it's a psychedelic integration coaching course and he was in my course wow and i just messaged him on a zoom call i was like I, I was like hey man i love what you said followed him on instagram messaged him on instagram then he's on my podcast and we're talking about this He's like, yeah, dude, if you're ever in California, just come stay at mine. Like, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Like, how? Yeah, yeah. And that's what the podcast can do. It's just random things that all of a sudden, like you, that, that firefighter you were talking about, that you had him on the podcast, or the doctors or the police officer. It's like, what's their world like? And how, yeah. can, how can I see the lens in which they look at life through? And maybe it can change the lens in which I look at my life through. Yeah. And that is what's the dollar figure return on that yeah yeah and it's so weird too because the array of people that have like it's you know when you're in like this like i feel like it's like a sub-genre of mental health like slash self-development slash self-discovery like it's a weird sub-genre of a genre but you'll find like people in this like you know, there's guys like me who are like just a blue collar guy who, you know, I grew up dealing with depression and anxiety and I've struggled with like certain addictions. And, uh, you know, that's where my fascination came from. And then there's other people that are like, there's a detective in the RCMP who like he dealt with his stuff and then that's what he brought. And then there's doctors and then there's, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you have this like culmination of all these different backgrounds, but there's this like one uniting weird interest and you're like, what do you think of this? Like, it's just like this weird, like where a doctor will like be on like a level ground somehow as a carpenter where they're just like asking each other questions and like, Dude, it's so like, powerful. That's what our world is missing. Our world is missing people that have conversations with each other that are different than each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what the whole separation is happening in the fucking world right now. It's like left, right, Ukraine, uh, uh, Russia, Palestine, Israel. Um, Every fact-checking <clears throat> thing that you can name right yeah, now. Like, yeah, like all of it. Like yeah. uh, people who were into vaccines, people who were not into vaccines. And here's the thing. If we would just 
listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like, why do you feel that way? Like the whole COVID thing, I've heard this great perspective where it's like, hey, if, you're, if you want to get 17th booster shots and you're also heavily anti-vaccine, what you're actually both saying is, I just want to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And if you understand that, you're like, oh, I just want to feel safe. And one person's like, well, I got to get all the boosters because that's what makes me feel safe. And the other person's like, you're a nutcase. I'm not getting that shit in my body at all. Yeah. But if you both understand that you're all human beings and all of us want to feel safe, all of us want to connect with other people. And it's like, it's like social media does it. A lot of, a lot of politics does it. It's they try and separate people and they try and say that, oh, you're not like me. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is like, we're all, we all have things where we are having in common because we're yeah. all people. Yeah, yeah. And it's a certain, like, I think that a lot of the time, uh, like psychedelics, I'm sure you probably, f- we haven't really cracked into this. I feel like psychedelics play such an, in- like, an uh, integral role to that understanding. Like, yeah. I've, I've, I've done, like, nothing ever formal, but I've definitely experimented. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, like, one of the first times that, like, even like finding like some sort of a, a spiritual understanding and like kind of reconciling some, you know, like thoughts of like mortality and things mm-hmm. like that. And just understanding like that you're like, I just think I could, if I can live my life and feel love and give love, I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Like it's like this weird understanding of like, Oh yeah, everyone around me feels the same way I do, which is like this need to be good enough and like that you'll that you can accept love. Like this weird like conversation you have with yourself when you when you have those experiences and you're like I don't know, it's just this weird like when you understand that everything most social interaction is a charade. And you're like, whoa, behind this mask, yeah, this person dude. feels the same way I do, yeah. which is just to want to be loved and to for feel who they are. okay. Yeah, for who they are. They want to be loved for who they are. There's, I call it, when I've called on my podcast, the great psychological pandemic of humanity, which is not enoughness. Yeah. It's, it's everybody experiences in some way. And that really cripples people. And when you explore psychedelics and it is not for everybody i've had beautiful experiences i also had an experience in july which was almost like it was so big it was traumatizing in a way where i'm still integrating things like mm-hmm. it's wild and it's not for everybody it's it's not a game it's not a game at all and yeah. if you're going to experiment with them you should have safety systems put in place do research on it but yeah, basically my entire, the last three years I spent, because I had crippling anxiety, dude. I was making really good money selling cars. And I had this idea that stemmed from as a, as a child of that if I make enough money, then I'll feel safe. So I equated money with safety. Money is, it can be tied to safety. Obviously you feel very unsafe when you have no money. Like it's not a very nice feeling, but it's safety is a feeling that we can produce within our own bodies. There's people in Africa that have no money that probably feel safer than I do. Yeah. Why? Because safety is not money. But in this Western civilization we live in, if you have no money, you don't feel safe. And I grew up with not a lot of money with my parents, and it's the main thing that they that they fought about. Fast forward to when I'm 25, 26, 27, I'm 
basically made money my God. If I can make as much money as I can, maybe this feeling that's within me will go away, which was yeah. like deep, deep internalized shame of I'm not okay with who I am. So I, I created these false selves where I would, I would be like, oh, who do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. Who do you want me to be? Oh, that's, oh, I'll be the funny guy and like, and make jokes about myself. And then like, and then you'll laugh at that. Oh, that's how I'm accepted into the tribe. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But then I just splintered myself. And there's just like this little sensitive kid that it was like, hey, that's not who you are. And it's like, you're not who you think you are. And a lot of us create these false selves to fit into certain environments, or we had to create this false self to fit in at home with our parents because maybe you didn't feel like your dad loved you or your mom loved you or that they, they loved your sibling more or whatever it may be. But over time, it grows like this vine that spreads throughout your life, which for me, by the time I was 27, 28, I remember I made, I made like 27, 30 grand in a month selling cars. And I remember getting my paycheck and I was like, oh, this is the feeling I've been wanting ever since I was a kid. And I was more anxious than ever. And I was more disconnected than ever. Now it was that's that's a very hard thing. It's like, oh, the thing that you think that you want most doesn't actually give you the thing that you want most. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Which led me to go basically like a last two and a half, three years, every three to six months, I would go into like a heavy psychedelic medicine retreat somewhere and really dive in to look at my stuff. Here's what I've realized <laughs> that I've realized lately in the past six, seven months is that need to go do those things over and over and over again, the thing that was pushing that was the very thing that was the issue in the first place. Mm-hmm. If maybe I take this psychedelic, then I'll have this, then I'll figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. It's like, what if, what if there's nothing wrong with you? Yeah. The seeking is the issue. So when I work with clients, like a lot of my clients that I do coaching with are going through ketamine infusions. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of them are suicidal. A lot of them, have, they're basically very low, very low vibrational states, like depressive, shame-based states where they're just like, I don't see the point of living. Like, I just don't see it. And I watch them basically change within like two, three weeks because of these ketamine infusions they're doing. And mm-hmm. basically, they go from seeing life as happening to me to life has actually happened for me. And it's fucking wild. But I've seen some people, like the very thing that is driving them is this feeling that they're broken. And it's just like, it almost can become its own addiction. It's like, what if you're not broken? Yeah. What if the only thing that the issue is here is the, the belief that you're broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are addicted to that belief because your entire identity of who you believe you are is tied to you being broken. So if all of a sudden you're not broken, there's nothing wrong with you, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. People get addicted to their own emotions. Yeah. I and I've been thinking about this thing recently. I think I just made an episode recently about it, but it's kind of like this idea of um you know, like we're just kind of like in a weird environment. It's not natural for humans. Mm-hmm. And and there's millions of different ways to explain why from chemicals in our food to the type of light that we have to the type of frequency of certain electronics. shoes, our feet not touching the earth. Right, Like right. fucking so many things. Yeah, yeah. so like you, there's a million and one ways that it's not normal the way that we live. And I think that, there, I don't know, this isn't a complete idea either, but it's kind of something I'm thinking about where we have this like kind of, 
you know, this, uh, it's almost like a, a burden upon our system. And then when we do the right things, like, you know, for example, like, uh, do a cold plunge or do a workout or we, we finish a book or whatever it could be, you know, that's supposed to be like one of the biggest dopamine rushes you get, or like you have sex with someone you love, like those types of things like that is supposed to be the peak of like your dopamine Whereas, oh, like, wow, because that's a of crazy thought, I can see where you're going. Please and then, going. because of like, because of like Instagram, and you can go and see something funny, sexy, like uh, anxious, like stressful in 15 seconds. Like, it hits every dopamine center possible. Like lights, music, like big ass girls, it's like terrifying, dude. And you can hit all these dopamine centers at once. So I was like thinking about this the other day, where like people feel like this negative thing because they're on an IV drip of dopamine all day. And, and they're like, why do I feel bad? Cause it's just like a negative emotion they feel. So they associate this is bad. And then they're like, why do I feel bad? I must be broken. Yeah. I, Cause I, did, I am bad. I like, I did this workout and I know I'm supposed to get serotonin and dopamine. Like I should feel happy for like a 45 minute w window. Like, but I never felt the happiness. And it's like our dopamine systems are so fried mm. that we can do the right things. But because we have this like burden of the way we live, that even the right things don't make us feel good. And then we're like, I must be broke. Like I did the workout. I ate the salad. I read the book. Why am I I went miserable. to bed early. I woke up early. I did the push-ups. I did, but I don't feel good. Like, you know, and then you're like, I must be broken because I know these are the things that to do to feel good and they're not working. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it leaves yeah, us in this crazy thought. Yeah. It's like Gabor Mate says who lives in Vancouver. He says that we live in a, like a sick culture. Yeah. Like our entire culture is sick. My friend Marcus, uh, you, dude, if you should have him on the podcast, like, I will. Oh, he's fucking amazing. That's all it takes. Dude, <laughs> he lives in Victoria. If he's ever over here, I'll connect you guys. He he helps. He's like a he's like a death coach. So he helps talk to people who are dealing with death, yeah. or, or people who are around terminally ill people because of his own experiences with death. And um, I did a podcast with him. It's a good one. It's called "How Suicide Saved My Life." It's a fucking dude. wild episode, dude. But we were talking about this other day. He was like. He's like, do you know what they ask people in, I think, I don't know if it was the Maasai people in Africa. I don't remember what it was. I don't even know what that is. It's a, it's a, it's a culture. They, they ask these questions, right? I'm going to do it. Where is it? They ask these questions when somebody is sick within their community, right? Okay. They ask these questions of them. And these are the questions. When was the last time you danced? When was the last time you sung? When was a lot? When did you lose your enthrallment with story? Hmm. And when did you lose your willingness to sit in silence? I was like, whoa, like mentally sick, like they're having a mental health issue and they're like depressed. They'll ask them those questions and normally they can be like, oh, I, I lost it here. Oh, I haven't sung in months. I haven't danced in months. Like you're a fucking human being in a body. And, and we separate mental health and physical health. Dude, from my own experience, something that happened, it was fucking two and a half years ago where I had my first experience. It was with psilocybin where I realized that my emotions get trapped in my body. 
Mm. I had a really sore scapula for months and months and months. I did fucking acupuncture. I did massage. I went to every specialist. I was putting a lacrosse ball there every night. And I went to this this uh, place on the island, um, on the eastern side, in the middle of nowhere. Middle of fucking nowhere. There's a tiny little town with some friends. We stayed at this house in Tassus, right? This place called Tassus, middle of nowhere. No idea. Tiny little town, beautiful place. And there was a bunch of, there was probably about five or six of us, and it was just guys I knew. And I, I basically dealt with trauma that was stuck in my body, and the pain, it, it was like in my scapula. And I was like, con- I was actually like convulsing and vomiting air because it was, I was like, I was like, what is going on? I had this feeling this in my chest and it got to my throat and then it came out of my mouth and over and over and over again. And the pain left my body. And when weird. I, it was weird because I'd been told about it and I was like, what if there were these pains? And here's the thing. This is not, I, I've, I've been stuck in this lens for a long time where I got stuck that all physical pain was because of your emotions. It's not true. Mm-hmm. But some people's physical pain that never goes away, maybe they've got a sore back or a sore knee or a sore scapula. These are my places where I store stuff emotionally. Like, for example, the scapula thing was I was basically trying to save everybody for years. And I was carrying other people's emotions and trying to save everybody. And the lesson that day was like, hey, it's not your job. And any time... Like a weight on your back kind of Yeah, thing. like literally like, like, oh, you got a backpack you're carrying there, Mark? Well... It looks pretty heavy. Why don't you put some of the rocks in my backpack? But what you do is instead, you basically copy and paste it. I'm not taking the rocks out of your backpack because I can't. Yeah. I'll just like, I'll carry it for you. And you're yeah. like, okay. And you kind of get two of them and you put it in mine. And you're like, I still got mine. It's like, no worries, dude. I'll, I'll yeah, carry yeah. it. It's like, I'm already going through life. Life is already hard. So why don't you put a weight vest on my back? Like, yeah. Okay. Well, carry a couple kettlebells. Like put a, tie a sled to me. So, oh, it's flat ground. Or maybe I'll try and walk up a fucking hill. Like my leg hurts. So you should walk with a limp. Yeah. It's just like, oh, <laughs> like I'll yeah. just carry everybody's shit for them. Like yeah. I, I, and I, I was in network marketing. I built an Amway business for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I tried to save everybody on my team. Like they were having relationship issues. They're having money issues. And I would literally be awake to like 2 AM or wake up with anxiety for other people for years. Yeah. Because I thought that that's how you get love. You get love by like really caring about other people and showing that you love them. But it reminds me of a story, and I'll finish this thought here, but it brings me to a story of a man looking at this butterfly struggling to get out of its cocoon, right? And he's there sitting on a park bench in the summertime. It's early spring maybe. And he's watching it for like 30 minutes and it's stuck. It can't get out. And he's like, fuck, man, this thing's going to die. So he goes over to it and he breaks the cocoon open and he watches it and the butterfly gets up and it falls on the ground. And it's kind of fluttering around and he watches the butterfly die. He's like, what did I do wrong? Butterflies develop the strength in their wings to fly by struggling through their cocoon. It can take hours. Just like the people in our lives. Yeah, wow. We need to let them drown and we need to let them struggle sometimes and it's really hard and I couldn't do that. Dude, I've been carrying that for years and this thing in my scapula... I get the thing in my scapula now, my left side, if I'm doing that in a relationship or a friendship, it's like my body's internal intelligence, like a compass. It's mm-hmm. fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll just be I'm like, I'm kind of sore. And then, like, my scapula starts hurting for days on end. I'm like, oh. Oh, it's like I'm storing stuff in this pocket in my nervous system that's in my body. And that, that, that fucking experience changed what it meant for me to be a human being. 
it was wild. I was like, oh, my emotions are actually in my body. Mm -hmm. Like they're not, they're not here. They're not a thought. They're actually things. Anxiety, sweaty palms, tight chest. I get that pit in my stomach. Yeah. That's what I get, like that emptiness feeling. Sometimes that can get stored there for years and it can cause things like irritable bowel syndrome. It can cause things like oh, yeah, cancer. Dude. It can cause things like ALS, like all these d diseases, dis-ease. It's a lack of ease. Why is there a lack of ease? Why? Yeah, yeah. And it's been happening for years. Oh, yeah. Like people with ALS, a lot of them... This is from Gabor Mate's work. A lot of them are really nice and don't have a really hard time expressing any of the bad emotions like anger, sadness, shame. So they're just really nice to everybody. But if, you, if you're like really nice to everybody, people who are really nice are actually terrified. They're scared. People who are kind, being kind and being nice are different things. Being kind mm -hmm. is like, hey man, like I care about you. What you're doing is really bad and I, I, I'm just telling you because I love you and you're my friend. Like that's fucking... Don't stop doing that, dude. It's going to hurt you. That's being kind. Mm -hmm. Being nice is like fearful. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, have you got, have you got this? Like, please yeah. don't, please love me. Oh, you want some more coffee, Mark? Yeah, yeah. Like you ever meet nice people? You're like, you're actually f afraid. Yeah, yeah. It almost, dude, it feels like unnatural. Like it's kind of creepy sometimes. Yeah. It's not, it's not being a human being because human being is feeling the heights of joy and the depths of despair. Mm-hmm. You can't feel the heights of joy and happiness until you feel the depths of despair. So your anxiety that you went through and your depression, the reason why you can feel such amazing joy is because you felt the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's like, why do, we, why, do we, why do we label weather like it is lately as bad weather? Yeah. And why do we label sunny weather as good weather? It's like, it's like people do it with their happiness. It's like you wouldn't appreciate summertime if winter didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why do you want to be happy all the time? It's impossible. Yeah. Oh, I, just want to, I just want to be sunny every day. 27 <laughs> degrees every day. It's like if you were happy every single day, you would actually not know what happiness is anymore because it just... Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to feel the bad, the bad emotions. Yeah, yeah. I'd say like on a micro and macro level, like there's definitely like having dealt with like... Um, you know, being suicidal and, and like having no respect and putting junk in my body, garbage in my body and things like that. There's like a newfound appreciation for health and mm -hmm. just life itself. And I think, um, but even just doing things on a daily basis, like that, that, you know, like I found like whether it's like a workout, a cold plunge, uh, with just waking up early and de dealing with like emails or shit like that, like there's so many times where like I'm in a conversation with either my girlfriend or like one of my family members or something like that where I'm like, is this what actually stresses you out? Because like there was like, like there's this weird like martyr complex where it's like I've done 15 harder things than that today. Like that, that I purposely did, you know, like you never like, and, and it, it, it's this weird, like, I don't know, balance between like, being empathetic and sympathetic to other people's problems, but also not wanting to have those stresses within you. You're like, I wouldn't want to, like, I wouldn't want to be the type of person that stresses and yells over a coffee, yeah. but I also want to be the person that's sympathetic to understand that if someone's stressing out over something like that, 
it's probably it's not, not about, that. It's not about that. Yeah, so, but it's like where where do you hold people accountable and where do you let them be a human being on planet Earth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a hard thing, dude. And that's the th here's what I say is that people always have the answers within them. People are simultaneously holding the key to their own liberation while building the bars of their own prison of their own perspective. Mm. Like they are, like we have all the answers within us. Like all the answers, mm. like the anxiety, all that stuff. What did that all teach you? It taught you things. Yeah, yeah. I like. Are you asking me specifically, or yeah, like it's like what what did it teach you? Like the first thing that comes into your body, into your mind. Like, okay, what did that actually teach me? Because it's a teacher. Mm -hmm. All of our emotions are teachers. Yeah, yeah. I always liken it to like an engine light. <coughs> like it's like this is like your signal, and you can choose to like, oh, maybe I want to like plug my ears, or maybe I want to like mm. cover my eyes, or maybe I want to look into what caused it. Like there's a, it's kind of like this, but I know for myself, I think that it's weird because there's so many different layers yeah. of the same thing. And then each one is like a new discovery. Cause I remember like there was times where like, okay, like dealing with like, uh, substance abuse and partying and like, all like, Oh, I want to, well, then I got to make money so I can afford drugs and alcohol and <laughs> food and parties and so then you start getting addicted to that. And like you said, like you have like idolatry of like you're idolizing money and, and, and what you think other people think of you. Like it's not even their actual opinion. It's your speculation of dude, what their opinion fucking, is. Dude, they're saying, um, fucking Jay Shetty said this and I heard it five years ago. He's like, I'm not what I think that you think that I am. I'll say it again. I'm not what I think that you think that I am. Yeah. Which is exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah. You create this construct of like, oh, these people probably think I'm annoying. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you end up talking to the person, like, I've never thought you're annoying, dude. Yeah. So why do you think you're annoying? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. That's what I mean. <laughs> so like, there's this feeling of like, um, you know, I need to do something to add to myself. I'm not good enough. Okay, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Okay, that's the issue. I'm not good enough. Well, well, like, what would make me feel good enough? Well, like, if my dad says I'm good enough, mm -hmm. okay, well, why do I not feel good enough to my dad? Like, dude, you like have all these weird things and you're like, I have this weird, like, I, I don't know, like the more layers, like even with like mortality for me, like it was a weird understanding when I was more scared of other people dying than me dying. That was like a weird. Cause you're afraid of losing them. Exactly. Like it's a selfish thing. Like it's like, I, I, one of my biggest Your fear of loss projected onto all the others in a way. Yeah, I'll yeah. be. Uh, this, uh, this is a weird way to explain it. Like a, a, a vulnerable thing of mine yeah. is like one of the things that I'm like one of my biggest motivators and anxieties is uh, like doing enough before my dad dies mm. so that he can see that I'm capable and respect me as a man and like think of me as a certain way. Like, I, I like I have this uh, thing in my head where like I constantly feel like oh he'll never see me as a man like I've always just been like oh he fucked this up like I guess I have to go fix it like that kind of a fatherly you know and again that's my speculation of what he thinks of me and it's this weird like there could be reasons why that have occurred in the past which is 
where the word trauma comes in. And there's two types of traumas. There's acute trauma, which is sharp traumas, like war, rape, seeing somebody dead at like five years old. It's, it's like, it's a spike that is so, it's such a fast spike that your nervous system can't handle it. It shuts off or it, it, it goes like this. Mm-hmm. Or there's more acute, sorry, there's more like nuanced traumas, which are things like, oh, I just, my dad never told me that I did a good job. So he's always very critical of me. Or I felt like my mom liked my sister more than me. Mm-hmm. So I, th- then that creates this feeling of not enoughness. Mm-hmm. So you said one of your biggest fears is not your dad not saying that you're not your fear is that he he wants you you want him to look at you like he's really proud of you before he dies and that like you're yeah. a man yeah yeah and it's weird too because i've even played this scenario like i i journal every single day and i have this like i i'm i've become obsessive with it with analyzing thoughts and i've played it out where it's like, well, you know that like, even if you were to run a million dollar business, own multiple homes, like there would always be one more thing. Like it was like, never ending. Oh, I want to have him see me get married. I want to see me have a kid. I want him to see me do this and this and understanding like, okay, there's never going to be a finish line. So like realistically, it's not about what you do. It's, it's more about like, if you want to really make your parents proud, like just be a good person. Like the, if they see you be respectful and loving and compassionate and patient and all these great things, they'll be like, Oh yeah, I did an all right job. Yeah. But then the even bigger question is aside from like making your parents proud, which you probably should strive for. Like, why do you feel like for your life to be satisfactory that you need to actually make someone else proud? Like, it's like, I like, cause it's a feeling within you because there's, there's something within you. I've got a question for you. And I don't know why this question's coming to mind. And it's a very interesting question. What do you need to hear from your dad? I don't know. Yes, you do. I don't know. Cause it's, it's cause I think that any answer I would give, I do get those. For, like, what did you need to hear from your dad in the past that you didn't? Maybe when you were younger. Because mm. this isn't an adult thing usually. It's usually something as a child. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make logical sense. So a lot of people, when they have these things, are like, I've been analyzing my thoughts. I know people, I dude, I have clients that are really fucking smart people. Mm-hmm. Like unbelievably intelligent. But what they do is they start intellectualizing and trying to make it logical. Mm-hmm. Versus being like, hey, when you were 5 to 15, what did you want your dad to say? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think um, I think it's more like the things that were unspoken. I think for myself, there was a lot of times I can think of one thing in specific where like I actually like was like I made him ashamed. You know what I mean? And like I seen him like cry for the first time. And it was like not like of like anger or like it was just like an actual like what happened was I flipped out at one of my friend's parents who was trying to discipline me. And it was like, right as I was hitting puberty. So like, it was like, I was an actual physical threat mm-hmm. and it got to the point where like, it was almost physical between a good, like friend's parent and me. Was that the dad? Yeah. 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 My buddy's dad. And so like my dad was like, so ashamed of like, you've just embarrassed me 
of like trying to like talk back to this guy's dad and then trying to like not like getting to the point where you're like gonna fight but like the way that i was speaking the way that i was acting like it's like i would be ashamed if my son did that like you know what i mean like it's so but i think that there's so many times because i think there was this pivot in my life where like i kind of 180'd where like i went through the first part of my life not giving a shit if anything like i felt like uh i couldn't succeed at anything so to try would be like ridiculous like i would just make a joke out of everything like class clown like that was me dude and it was a defense mechanism yeah i want to rewind there for a second i want to give you something that you can't make anybody feel anything mm-hmm. yeah yeah i feel you i f- i feel you i feel <laughs> I don't know how to make this less weird. Yeah, yeah now. no, no, it's not <laughs> weird at all. It's like you, you, you feel what I just said within your body. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, are like, oh, I don't want to make people upset. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Your go- people are going to feel uncomfortable. People are going to be upset by things that you do and say because if you're being authentic, which you were at the time, mm-hmm. dude, you're fucking thirteen with hormones going through, and there's this dude that's not your fucking dad potentially wanting to discipline you. Yeah, like it the was dealing like, with that. It's like go fuck yourself, dude. Yeah, yeah. Or and like then, put hands on me. Like you're gonna push yeah, me down yeah, and make yeah. me sit down. And fuck no. Yeah, and that's you had a ter- perfectly normal reaction. But there's a thing that the reason why it upsets you and the reason why it's there and it's painful is because you're like, oh, I made my dad feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. He made himself feel ashamed because he looked at you and was like, oh, you're your representation of me mm. rather than being like, Hey son, like what happened? Yeah. And be like, he's not my dad. And he threatened to put hands on me or did whatever it was. Yeah. But he, he jumped. I don't know. I'm just imagining this. It could be a complete projection. He maybe jumped to the shame and, and then he was actually worried about how he looked. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and perhaps, yeah, because you, was it like, was it a, was it a feeling of like, Oh, I embarrassed the family. I embarrassed my dad. I think it was because I think the conversation happened after in the kitchen where like I had walked in and he was like, you know, like you fucked up kind of thing. And I was like, dude, like I didn't feel like what he was doing was good. And I wanted to stand up for myself. And like, I didn't vocalize it this well at the time, but basically I was, yeah, I was like, I, uh, yeah, you know, I felt threatened and I was like, I'm, you literally did what you needed to do to yeah, survive yeah. at the time. Yeah, a thirteen-year-old kid, and there's like it was like, you know, a bigger guy, and he's just like kind of like puts his hand on you and pushes you down and tells you shut the fuck up. Like yeah, like fuck you. At thirteen, that's just how I was wired, which is like to push back. Yeah, like that's just I'm, like, I'm not gonna let this guy bully me. Like I don't care. That's that was completely normal, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a part of you that thinks it's like, oh, my dad was ashamed of me. I made my dad feel ashamed of yeah. me when I was just being a 13-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I felt scared. This dude's bigger than me. Like, fuck you. Like, I, you, you got pushed into fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's different, too, because I, I know, like, my dad definitely, like, I don't know how your parents are, but definitely, like, grew up in a different age where, like, it was completely normal for like your parent, your friend's parents to discipline. Oh yeah, like, dude. Like we, like it'd be yeah. like expected that you'd get hit by your friend's parents. Like Wild. it'd be, and so like not that my dad put hands on me, but like he wouldn't be mad if one of my friend's parents growing up like gave me a whack. Like, yep. If I was fucking around, he'd yep. be like, yeah, whatever. Like, 
Yeah, because we don't overdo it, obviously. But like, <laughs> don't shit kick my yeah, son. Yeah, but like, if he's like talking, like we joked because I would sit. So at the dinner table, we would sit so that my dad would sit where you're sitting, so he'd have his right hand behind my head. Mm. So like, if I talked bad or anything like that, it was like a big white right Holy hand in the fuck. back back of the head. So like, even things like that, like to where I sit now when I eat. Like, I don't know, like if, and I'm, I'm saying like, do you sit where he sits or do you sit where you would sit? I want the, I, I would rather have someone's like non-dominant hand, cl- like in between us. Oh, you'd rather sit on this side. Like say if I'm right-handed, you'd rather sit on my left-handed side. Yeah. That right there is what I'm talking about. The little, and even things like, dude, I'm not even saying like I got a pet or beat no, as a kid. No, but it's crazy that but that's like a weird thing. little things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what is, that's nuanced trauma. Yeah. It's nuance. It's not like it's it's like this thing. It's a construct in your mind based on a previous painful experience that you're just like, oh, I just don't want to sit there because you probably feel uncomfortable. Like if I you know if you know I'm right hand as a part of it, it's like Especially when the hand's up like that. Yeah, like, did you I saw it. I yeah. saw it in you just then. There's a there's Where, a, like my I traced your hand. Yeah, like, there's a nervous system response that you yeah. have that that is within you. That's yeah. the stuff that is a privilege to work on. Yeah. Like you say, our, our, fa- our family, like we live in the society, like psychedelics are being used to look at our trauma. And we're just people talking a lot about trauma. And it's just like, I, I've been focusing on it for years. And here's what I realized. It's like, yes, look in the rearview mirror, but don't get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And if these things really start affecting your life and you're like, hey, like if I have kids one day, I don't want to have this feeling that I might, that that feeling, or maybe that's just a tiny little example. Maybe there's other things that are bigger that is like maybe in my romantic relationship or maybe how, like, I don't want to treat my kids that way. Like, why do people that are raped by their parents or whatever or physically abused by their parents, why are they, don't quote me on this, but I think it's between three and five times more likely to do it to their kids. Why? Mm -hmm. Because because we're not logical people like i'm a logical person i'm like no the fuck you're not no you're not you have a limbic brain which is the center of our brain you had a prefrontal cortex wrapped around it and the limbic brain makes decisions eighty thousand times faster than the prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. so what creates this disparity and what causes a lot of people anxiety is these deep feelings within us and then over analyzing our thoughts and being like thinking that you can steer the car of consciousness with 5%, which is your thinking mind, and 95%, which is driving the consciousness car. I got this from Mark Manson's Everything is Fucked. Have you read that book? It's a little no, blue book. I've, I've seen him in podcasts. In a new yeah, movie, dude. He's like, yeah, 95% of your consciousness is driven by your limbic brain, your emotions. And a lot of people have a really hard time because they're trying to use 5%, which is their thoughts, and be like, oh, I should just be thinking differently. No, you've mm. got to... Like if you dive into like Joe Dispenza's work, he talks about having a vision of the future rather than a repeated like memories of the past. A lot of people are stuck in life because they are they are looking at the rearview mirror so much that they basically end up creating the past in their future. They keep repeating the same patterns. Mm. Why do people go to the gym every January? Why are most people overweight? Why are most people broke? It's not because they want to be. But then they have this logical mind which shames their emotions and be like, you're a piece of shit. You can't fucking get your shit together. You're a loser. Which that feeling which they don't want to feel is they're actually making deposits into that bank account 
with their logical mind every time they do that and they get mm -hmm. fatter and sicker and they drink more and they do more drugs or whatever it may be until they maybe reach a point where they're like, oh, like the, oh, the only person that's actually going to do anything about this is me. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially with psychedelics, there is like that, it's even more like uh, susceptible, I feel like, to like the the idea, I'm sure you've like, have you heard the idea of like a success zombie? Like, like oh yeah, dude, that was me. I, I literally would like have this morning routine where I'd get up in the, I'm going to do a five minute cold shower. I would then do the, the fucking 15 minutes of journaling and then I'd just do a podcast. And if I don't do all these things, I'm a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Well, and, and like, and like you read every self-help book, but you never apply the thing. Like that's more like what I mean. Like is like the people that ingest all the, but then they don't do anything. It's because what's driving that behavior is shame. Yeah. The shame of who they think that they need to be so they can love themselves. I think that... It actually makes it worse. Yeah, and I think... I was going to say that. I think even the psychedelic community catches even more susceptibility to that because people are like, oh, like, I... Uh, you know, they need that ego-breaking experience. Like, I've done like so what you much said. more ayahuasca than you. I'm yeah, better than you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. called a super ego where they're just yeah. like... I've felt my soul. Have you felt your soul, Mark? Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, I'm not really. <laughs> like, a soul? Sorry, what? What like, are you talking about? Oh, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard people in that community call them muggles. I don't like that word. Yeah, they call them muggles. Like, we, we're playing with the magic of our consciousness. Oh, I don't like that. No, I don't like it either. And, um,. I've felt it with psychedelics where you have these experiences and you come back and you're like, you can actually see, like, oh, I can see what the things that I've looked at. And then what happens is if you do psychedelics long enough, it usually, you usually get your ass fucking kicked, which I did. It's like, yeah. oh, you think you're fucking enlightened? Well, I'm going to destroy everything that you think that you are and I'm going to take Dude. all your power away and then I'm going to give it all back to you just to show that you're not shit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what happened to me in July. I was like, oh, shit. Not a game. Like, not, not a game. Not something to fuck around with. Not something to think that you're better than anybody else. It's, yeah, it's it's wild. And what you said, yeah, it's true. The, the superego thing. I think it's because, uh, I don't know. I've felt it in myself in certain times because I have only done psychedelics a few times i'd say maybe five times i've done mushrooms that's the only like psychedelic unless you count like edibles uh, like that can be a powerful psychedelic yeah. people don't understand it's that kind that. of on the fence Marijuana i, is a I powerful, loosely yeah powerful plant medicine i have sent myself to places like that with edibles but i because of how some snobby people are they, they they're like that's not a hallucinogen oh yes you're like is. okay it's not the same thing as thc but we'll talk about it later but anyways i there's like certain trips that i've had where like you leave after and you're like i don't know how to put into words you can't what i uh, am starting to think i'm uncovering or understanding and it's like you almost feel like when you're in that conversation with someone, you're like, I don't know how to say this without being facetious. And it's not like you can't comprehend what I'm trying to say. It's that I can't find the words to say it because it's so like this weird feeling. Because your this. brain doesn't allow you to. Going back to the 80,000 times faster, your emotions, everything you felt during that experience is 
I imagine like an hourglass and the words are like this one little grain of sand that's trying to get through the hourglass. And by the time it gets to your mouth, you're like, I can't fucking explain it. You're like, but it's more than that. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you're like, Dude, it was sick colors. And then like, I saw like this, this ex-girlfriend or like, or like this, that my dead grandmother and she spoke to me and she said this. And and like, here's the thing. It's going back to, you can't make people feel what you feel. Yeah. You can't make people feel what you feel. Just like an interesting thing I learned in coaching when I learned how to actually coach people is that how um, you can actually fuck up the connection with somebody by saying, I know how you feel. Yeah. I don't have no idea how you feel. Zero clue. And I never will. All I can ever do to somebody is I can imagine how you feel. Yeah. But, yeah. Cause that I, must be rough. Like I could imagine. I could. Yeah. I can imagine how that feels, but it's like, oh, I, oh, oh, that bad thing happened to you. I know how that feels. It, what it does to people's, they just, they actually feel like they need to go like this. No, you obviously don't. No, like, it's like, fuck you. How do you know how I feel? Yeah. Have you lived all the experiences that I've ever lived? Have yeah. you gone to the school, know everybody that I know, had the parents that I had? Fuck no. Yeah. So you don't know how I feel. You're like, oh, yeah, I got beat up in a fight once. It's like, oh, yeah, I know how you feel. Yeah. Was it your dad, yeah. the person that you were supposed to think was going to protect you? Or like, or like, yeah, those things like when people get like raped or like sexually assaulted by someone, like they're the one person they're supposed to feel safe around. And you were betrayed by that person. And you know how that feels. And, and like this guy who like had a comment said to them knows how you feel. Like it's like, yeah, there, there's a lot of times where it's like, and I've even had stories where like I've had people tell me a story and I've like just been blown away to the point where I've even said like, I can't even imagine how you feel. That's like, how you connect with people. There's no way I could I imagine that. That's that's where I think a lot of us need to listen to people who, like, let's talk about First Nations people. I sell a lot of vehicles to First Nations people. I work for a company called Get Going, and we we talk to First Nations people all the time. They apply on our website um, because we sell vehicles out of major cities, right? And there's a lot of people in these communities. Dude, the amount of pain that is within these communities is fucking impossible for me to comprehend. Like, it's wild. And to say, oh, I know how you feel, it's it's not. Like all these, and here's the thing. The reason I bring these people up is because we kind of need to listen to them. Like I know people that are like, oh, well, when are they going to get over it? Like we took, like, like it's Canada now. When are they going to get over it? It's like, it's not a logical thing, dude. Like mm-hmm. it's not a logical thing. Like I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh, my sister just died. My My daughter just died. And then my son died two months ago and like the amount of death and pain within these communities is fucking wild. I'm talking to them and I'm like, I don't have a clue at all how that feels. And then uh, we live in a society that like has racism, looks at some of these people in a, in a, in a bad way and thinks that all like people that are uh, addicts are just losers and they just need to get over it. Mm -hmm. Just stop drinking pal. (laughs) Like, yeah. People don't understand Just that. say no. <laughs> it's like, here's the thing. Here's an interesting perspective. If Imagine you felt pain your entire life, and all of a sudden there's this thing that you can take that the pain goes away for a little while. The substance, the addiction of anything, whether it's gambling, sex, alcohol, cocaine, heroin, they are not the problem. They yeah. are the solution 
to the problem because oh, the yeah. problem is the person's fucking existence. Yeah, yeah. It's so painful that they're like, hey, like I, I, I've heard stories of like heroin addicts and be like, oh, I never felt love for the first time. And the first time I injected heroin, I felt love for the first time. But it wasn't real love. It's pseudo love. Mm-hmm. And then they chase. It's called chasing the dragon, where it's just like it gets. Less I'm very familiar less. with you, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very familiar with it, actually. Did you Did you ever do heroin? No, no, never heroin. Was no. it opiates? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, opiates plagued a lot of my friends. Yeah. I actually, yeah, they. I don't know. Richmond's a, a weird place because there's a, a lot of weird. Uh, like uh, pill press and gangs and stuff like that. It's, yeah, because they can get stuff from China, and there's a lot of Chinese kind of like right. influence here. And yeah, yeah. So the yeah, throughout I Asia and I was a partier though. I I was like I I would put. I used to make the joke. I will delete anything you put in front of me. That, that was, like was that. right. So I like, was like put something in front of me. I'll I'll beat you by having five more than what you tell me. I wasn't I even have. like competitive with it. No, I'm like I'm like just like. I'm the ultimate consumer. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, like that's the way I was. Like, yeah, dude. Like, whether it's and yeah, I I struggled a lot with like partying and and uh, drugs. And then once I would even stop, like, once I cut out drinking and smoking and and doing drugs, it was like there there would be like weird behavioral addictions, like. You know, like it's just yeah. I don't know. I think it's like this constant feeling of like. There's there's two ways I've heard to explain that I relate to really well. And one of it is just like um, a way to feel kind of like okay, like what you were saying. And then the other one is like just to feel like you have control over something. <laughs> like it's like, like I know like... Uh, that could be a hard one though. Dude, yeah. I, I heard Theo Vaughn talking about this. He was mm. saying it about like why he did, like he preferred... Because, like, if you wanted to drink, you'd sit down, you'd have a beer, and, you know, after a 45-minute window or whatever, like, depending on how much and how fast. But, like, with cocaine, it's, like, I know in five seconds, almost to a, like, to a T, exactly how I can feel. Yeah. And to have that control of, like, I don't feel great but I could feel great in five seconds from now. Yeah, it's a dangerous like, mindset. <laughs> you know, like, you fuck. start to have control over it. Like, yeah. it's like, I can just control how I feel? Yeah. By by what? $80? Done. Easy. Sold. <laughs> you like, how long does that last? Fucking what? 45 <laughs> minutes? Cool, At I best? need to get some more money. Yeah, yeah. So I can feel good all the time because I don't feel good right now. Yeah, yeah. But like that can be found in anything. Sex, dude. It can be found in gambling, uh, scrolling through Instagram. Food? Food? Yeah. Dude, like food is another one. Like when I stopped doing drugs, I probably gained 20 pounds. And like literally because it's like get home from work, bowl of cereal, bag of chips. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Like exactly. And like, dude, I was still lifting like two hours a day and I would just consistently put on weight because I was just like... Eating and eating and eating and eating. Like, oh, but I don't drink and I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Dude, there's fucking people <laughs> who are in Alcoholics Anonymous that haven't drank in 20 years and they smoke like a fucking, oh, smoke a pack a day. Like, yeah, but I don't drink anymore. It's like, bro, you don't get it. Like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, you replaced one thing for another. Yeah, I've been in the rooms before, man. I know. I, yeah, I've like, heard stories like that. they're seen as success, which they are. Yes, they're not drinking. Yeah. But here's the thing. That that 
here, this might be hard. It might be harsh to say that isn't success. It is success because you you got it to a certain point. But it's like, when are you going to start looking in the windshield rather yeah. than the rearview mirror? Like, if you just haven't drank in twenty years, you're kind of just like a a. Uh, a, I'm not going to say normal member of society because that could like make you feel that, well, that could create a feeling within somebody. It's like, oh, well, I'm not normal. I'm broken. It's like, no, you're just kind of like, you've got back to zero. Mm-hmm. You've yeah, got back to baseline. zero. Baseline. So what are we going to do now, man? Like if you have the discipline to beat something as harsh as that, what can you do with your life now? Yeah. You can do incredible, incredible things. So it's like, we have to, st- the, the, wind, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful, man. It's bigger for a reason, but if a lot of us, and that's the that's the whole thing with the psychedelic movement, the talking about your trauma. It's like, cool, this was me for years, and I'm like coming out of it now. It's like, cool, I I, I see this stuff. I see how a lot of my life, I basically didn't think it was okay to be me. Would have other people tell me who they think I am, or I'd create these false selves to fit into certain environments because it wasn't safe to be this sensitive kid that played music, that like communicated his thoughts, could share his feelings, that wasn't okay. Okay, well now you've got to this, you're 31, you're turning 32, you're aware of a lot of these things, what are you gonna do now? Mm -hmm. Or I could keep looking in the past and keep being like, oh, what other traumas have I not experienced? And what what other things is keeping me stuck? That right there is what's keeping me stuck. Yeah, yeah. The constant seeking that there must be more because what if there's no more? What if you have everything you need within you right now and you just actually have to start executing on it? Mm-hmm. That's also fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's, what, it's, do you know what's fucking terrifying? Is like, oh, what if there's nothing wrong with me? And what if I have everything I need to achieve my dreams right now? Oh, a lot of people, that is such an intense feeling that they'll go back to the behaviors. It's like uh, Theo Vaughn talked about this with Tony Robbins recently. I haven't listened to that one Fucking unreal. He's like, he was like, I feel like there's like, I've got these friends that beat the fuck out of me and I don't want to leave them, which is his emotions. Mm -hmm. And Tony's like, well, they're beating the fuck out of you. He's like, yeah, but they're familiar. It's like these, like for me, what was so familiar is giving my power to other people and then telling me who who they think I am rather than being, being like, hey, who, what kind of life do I want to live? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? I want to have more conversations like this. I think, just me, that this is my gift. Whatever I'm doing right now, whatever I'm talking about right now, the way I can communicate it, and it's like coming, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying, it's like come. it's like my soul talking right now. Like in these spaces, whether it's coaching or podcasting, I've realized I'm a teacher. I'm a communicator. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that? It's like, well, you can do anything. Yeah, yeah. For so many years, though, I would try to fit into somebody else's box about what they thought I was. And it's like, I was so scared of, I was so scared of being a failure. But now it's like, what thing I'm dealing with lately is like, I'm also terrified of how successful I could be. Yeah. Fucking terrified. It's like, what if you could achieve all the things in your mind and your dreams? What if, what if they all came true? Would you fuck them all up and go back to what's familiar because that's, where you, that's what you're used to? Yeah, yeah. It's like, fuck. Like, maybe. I, I want to say, say no. But even then, maybe. Like, maybe. Dude, the thing is, like, I know for myself, like, we have a family business, and so like, a lot of the time there's like, certain things where you're like, oh, like, I can't wear that hat 
because like I, uh, you know, I, well, I, I don't I'm know that department. I don't know that department. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to do the paperwork. I, I'm you know, bookkeeping and accounting and then there's insurance and there's all these different, like when you do home renovations, like there's a lot of like building permits and all these, like, you know, there's the, all the, the red tape that you gotta like, you know, the hoops that you have to jump through and like, it's one thing to be a carpenter and be a framer and just like show up and frame stud walls all day. And then it's another thing to like, oh, if I fuck up where I put this on this paperwork, like I'm actually liable for millions of dollars of damage. Like, fuck that. you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, like, whoa, put me back on the wall, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, oh, wait, my dad could lose his house if I do this. Like, it's, you know, like there's like all these. Yeah, you're, you're like. Yeah, there's definitely like I'm f like that that next step like and that's a very like specific example. Such a sure. beautiful example though, because any person listening to this could be like, well, what's your what's your wall? What's your wall that is familiar? Yeah, that you're you, that like you're the framer of your life. Like, where are you framing that maybe you want to be the person? But the thing is, dude, I feel like every single person individualizes. And I was gonna say this earlier when you were talking about like the the First Nations and and. Uh, the amount of suffering they've had in that community. Cause I was going to say, I think that yes, we need to listen to those people. Yes. We need to learn from those things, but it, it can kind of become a danger sometimes It can when we start to weaponize the amount of suffering and say, well, your suffering isn't worth anything because yep. it's not equal to mine. That's really and, dangerous that people do like, Oh, and people, people who are listening to this are going to have these thoughts. I can guarantee it is that, Oh, well I was never raped. My parents were pretty good. Like all the, like I never, and you basically minimize yourself. Yeah. Oh, people have suffered way more than me. Why am I miserable? Mm -hmm. Well, or, or it's the opposite of like, well, I've suffered more than these everybody. are two guys that could never understand me because they're guys, they're white, yeah. they're this, they're yeah, that. They're, that's a dangerous place to be. I even think like, even when like you're talking about like the atrocities that have gone on, um, in North America, but it's like, most of the people that are here now, like I'm first generation Canadian, like my parents, like my grandparents, actually you will scrap my family because it's kind of weird to talk about it. This as a generality then. But like, yeah, you could say like, oh yeah, like what about the Holocaust? What about this like genocide? What about that genocide? Like it's like, you, like these, the people that you're condemning now have, have been the same position that you're in right now. Like they're, is just because it happened earlier and they've had more time to recover that or like it didn't happen on a different scale or like there's always like some metric that they can like okay yeah it happened like way long ago or more recent but it was like at a different scale or the way that they did it was this or, or it's like oh but that was direct they used blunt force whereas this was psychological so it's like yeah it's like genghis khan there's like all these different like but but mine's worse than yours or it's, here's the interesting thing about the whole thing in North America. It's our most recent experience with, say, the mass death of a, of a culture. That's the most recent Like one, right? full dehumanization. Yeah. Like these are objects, not people. Yeah, like in, a, in like, Australia, for example, the Aboriginal people were cast under the Flora and Fauna Act. So they weren't classified as humans. Yeah, yeah. Until like... I don't know when it was, but it was like a hundred years ago, or maybe even 70, 80 years ago. It was the same in the States. Fucking same thing crazy. With slaves, yeah. Here's the thing, though. If we go back far enough, let's go back to like Genghis Khan, the genocide of 
hundreds of thousands of people, that is no longer within our collective consciousness. Doesn't make, can you, can you imagine if we had Instagram during the crusades mm-hmm. with the Muslims and the, and the Christians fucking murdering each other yeah, in, yeah. The, in the Middle East and Jerusalem and the Holy Land. It just, oh, like any of these, the Vikings, imagine if we had Instagram when the Vikings roll up at six foot seven on the fucking English shores and there's a five foot three Englishman holding a little spear being like, and some berserkers seven grams of mushrooms deep wants to go to valhalla and you're like fuck this shit yeah we're the opposite too like the other side of it is like there's the psychological torture afterwards when they're being christianized of like do you do you believe in our god if so like we're gonna throw you in this pit of snakes and if you truly believe in our god like he'll save you and like there's the slaughtering of pagans and like everybody who wasn't a christian at the time like that's why it's like and this is a very hard thing to even speak about because I don't know and I don't have the answers. And even to mention it is to almost be disrespectful, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. It's just like, when, and here's the thing, we can't even talk about it. Where is the line of, of okay, uh, let's talk about any First Nation culture of any, it's like, where, where, where is the line? Like, when do we say, okay, it's been 500 years, it's been a thousand years. Like when, when, wh- what do we do here? And nobody, here's the thing, nobody has the answer and any person that pretends to be like, oh, that's the line. It's like, well, it's like we're trying to fuck, it's, it's, I don't even know how to talk about it because I don't have an answer. I don't think anybody has an answer. I, I think I get what you're saying. Like, it's like, when do you expect the recovery time to be? Like, it's like, okay. It's impossible to know. This is the, this is the cutoff, like, you know, reparations or like we'll give you X because I, I always play from it from the other side of it of like, look, I just want everybody to love everybody. Same. I just want everyone to feel okay and safe and like they have an opportunity. And so like anytime I find myself in these types of conversations, I usually ask like, well, what is the solution that, that doesn't cause resentments like this in the future? Because I think we need to listen to each other and, and listen to people's pains and hurts and know that there's nothing we can do about it. Well, that's the thing that, that like the nothing we can do about it because but I I'll think, listen to you. I'll listen to your pain, but I can't take it away from you. Yeah. I think so many times now, like there's, and like, of course, this is like, of course I'm going to have this perspective because I am a white guy, but it's like a lot of the times it's like, well, we need to level the playing field. We need to even the playing field. And it's like, I think a lot of the time those solutions almost like, you understand how this could play out in years. Like we're seeing, we're seeing this play out in the Middle East of like, get like putting certain people in different categories and classes and okay, we're going to give this people this land and these people have to respect these. And we're seeing that play out of like, it's obviously not a great idea. So, like, at some point, we kind of have to be like, I understand. I love you. I'm very sorry for what happened to you. Like, it's not even us that, like, I didn't do it. My, like, you yeah, know, yeah. my fucking family wasn't even on this continent 50 years ago. Like, it's obviously it wasn't me. But what you But I love you, and yeah. I want you to feel good, and I don't want you to, you know, like, it's like we've flipped of, like, oh, because I have this skin color. Like, I 
am responsible for this. Like it's the same energy which they are fighting against. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing. This, like, it's this like against you... energy. It's it's what it is. It's like the people on the left and the far left and the far right. They're actually both exactly the same. Yeah. They're full of against energy versus collaborative unified energy. Yeah. Yeah. Same it's with two, two birds of the same wing. That's what I usually say. Or two <laughs> wings of the same bird. That's exactly. what I mean. Exactly. It, it is. And it's like even the people who are like the whole trans movement happening right now. Here's what I see that as. I see it as for such a long time, it's like, hey, this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a woman. If you divert outside of that, you're not a man or you're not a woman. And now we're like, even having conversations like this. At, Dude, we're the probably first generation of men in our family that are having conversations like this for oh, thousands yeah. of years. Oh, yeah. Well, but yes and no. Maybe not. Say that's, say that's the last two, three generations. Even or, that, dude. They, I don't know if... I, and again, I'm a weird history nerd, but in the Weimar Republic, like in the 30s and 20s of Germany, there was extreme socialist movements, and that's literally where the first... Uh, gender transition surgery happened was in like a hundred years ago in Germany. Interesting. Yeah, the Weimar Republic. It was a super. They've even, had, dude. They've had people in the First Nations community called two-spirited people for fucking thousands of years, where they basically said that you had two different spirits within you, and you were born that way. I've heard that argued both ways. I've heard it's, it's a thing, and there's no, there's no. Here's here's my point: is that I think I think that again, and I I will admit. I think, I think as humans, we're very likely and susceptible to look at history in a perspective that fits ours. We look at it through our perspective. That's yeah. the fucking problem. Yeah. Like we only, and we have a certain perspective. I wanted to say like this whole thing that's happening with like, oh, there's 2,200 genders or whatever. I think that is a societal pushback for, from from for, for so many years, probably a couple of hundred years, which is probably influenced heavily by Christianity, of like, if you're not a man this way, if you're not a woman this way, you, then you are not that. You're not a man. But now we're having men that are like talking about their emotions more. You've got fucking sports stars talking about their emotions. And now it's okay to express both feminine and masculine energies within a biological man or a biological woman. It's like, fuck, I'm all for that. Here's what is here's the shadow side of that this movement is there's things like the pornography like pornography of children and the and and things like that and going to kids and being like hey maybe you're trans and that's happening a lot it's happening a lot and that i think is a shadowy side of it because maybe there are kids that know from a very young age just like there's people that are gay or lesbian that know from a very young age that that's who they are. But there's a shadowy side of that of like, that's a very small majority. It's a very small minority. Yeah. So if, if, if we're talking about sex and like things like that to kids, I'm not cool with that at all. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not cool with that. But then it's just like, well, how do we talk to some, some kid who's maybe having a really hard time I don't know. I, here's what I'm not okay with is is like talking to kids about sex and like I'm not okay with that. What I am okay with is men expressing their feminine side through poetry, through talking about their feelings, through gathering with other men, all of that. 
all of that is fucking is what we need more of in the world which mm -hmm. is what we're doing right now mm -hmm. men having conversations with other men but hey man this is what i struggle with not hiding not hiding away because they think it's weak or they think only girls do it that is what i'm for what i'm not for is like how the shadowy side of that can start going into education and schools and then there's some laws that I'm hearing around. I'm hearing this stuff and I don't know if it's a hundred percent because I haven't researched it, but I'm hearing stuff of like, oh, if your kid wants to transition, you're like the, the state can take your fucking child off you if you if you're not a cool not cool with it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I haven't researched it. I've been told from that. The idea behind it is it's child abuse to deny uh I don't know how the, the vocabulary or something. Yeah, the vocabulary they use is a little bit off, but basically like uh I could I basically this uh, in my perspective this whole thing started when they started doing like gender affirming care which was basically it's the first mental illness where you can basically diagnose yourself. And what I mean by that is like when I go to the doctor and I say for people that haven't experienced this like I'm depressed or I'm anxious, then the doctor usually will look at me and go, why do you think that? Let's do a couple tests, yeah, yeah, yeah. fill out this form. Yep. Can I ask you a questionnaire? Like, let's refer you to this person. Like this is the first uh, mental illness and it was classified as a mental illness for up until like a couple of years ago when they took it off for some reason. But this is the first mental illness that you can actually self-diagnose where you like go and tell a doctor, Hey, this is what I have. And it's now illegal for them to say anything other than that. like, they can't be like, Oh, maybe you don't have that. Maybe you have something else. That's what's, that's uh, like, what's it's scary. the first. And so that the, scares the fuck out of so me. So now the other thing is, is like the same way the law system uses precedent, the medical system does too. And so when we have this precedent set, we're like, now we have an illness that is, Basically, you're able to self-diagnose. Like a counselor, a doctor can't tell the patient you don't have that, or maybe you yeah. don't have that. And well, now let's we have press a bit. Let's explore yeah. it. A bit. I don't want to explore it. This is the but, truth. It's but like now we also have precedent of treatment for that. And so now, if you deny the precedented treatment for an illness that your child has diagnosed themselves with. That's now denying your kid of medical practice, like medical assistance. Mm. That's the way it's written in the law. And so like if you have a kid that has heard something or says something and kids fucking repeat everything. Dude, like I we remember me at 13, 14, 15. I thought like there was a period that I thought I wanted to kill myself and I, I, I didn't. I just wanted attention from my mom and dad because they were going through a divorce. Like Dude, I I know, my, my best friend's wife, the only reason I feel comfortable saying this is because she said it to me multiple times is like she grew up with brothers and she played lacrosse like it's a fucking brutal sport yep. like it's fucking she's a savage yep. and she grew up as like one of the boys yep. and like had she grown up 10 years later maybe that would have been in the books for her oh yeah but then she's now well, maybe you're a boy it's like no and that's what i'm well she about. wanted to hang out with boys she played lacrosse she yeah. wore like certain clothes like shorts rather all than the skirt. right 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 yeah. and all these things and now she's married she's a mother she's a beautiful woman like i i love this person and i'm not trying to say that it's because of she's a woman but it's like she grew into her femininity. Exactly. She understands it in her own way. And she's still an athletic woman, but she's a woman. And she never had someone be like, maybe you're a man. 
Dude, when I was a little kid, <laughs> like before I'd go to school, I was three, I was probably like grade one or two. I used to put my mom's lipstick on in the bathroom because oh, I, yeah. I love my mom. I have two sisters, yeah, man. I, There's I tons of pictures like me wearing yeah. heels. And what, what I find terrifying is what if that little, beautiful little kid went to school and was like, oh, you want, you want to be a girl? I'd be like, do, do I? I, 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 do I? Yeah, that's why you put the lipstick on. It's like, oh. Okay. Not even that, bro. I, I'd say this. I wouldn't say it's like that that encouragement. I don't like think that. Directly. I don't think so, no. That, that would make me sick to my stomach. Yeah, but I yeah. think that a lot of the time, it's kind of a... Like, there's like this like um, need to feel special. And it's like this, like, um, yeah. you know, we have like participation trope, like now, like we grow up and like this even started to happen when I was in school. I remember we'd have like the track and field thing and you get like first place, second place, third place, and then participation. Everyone would get a ribbon, yep. but like the gold would be go what first and you get yeah, silver. But you lost. But, but nobody you, wanted the fucking participation. Like, I don't want right. that shit. Dude. I remember getting it and I threw it out. Yeah, and my like, dad was like, why would you do that? Because he didn't like grasp it yet. Like he's like, oh, it's cool. You got a little, th I'm like embarrassed of it. I like, I'm like, fuck this. But anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I think that nowadays you can get typical things that you struggle with and you're like, yeah, like I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And now it's become like an economy of being a victim to the point where you're like, you can get like clout and respect and attention for things that happen to you that are difficult, whether they're in or outside. Whether of your or not control. you achieved anything or, or or made a change. It's a way to make you special. It's a yeah. way to make you. And it's like, yep. if I shout this from the rooftops, people will give me attention, and it becomes like, maybe I am this weird, fucked up, broken, because it mm -hmm. used to be like we were valued. Like, like before, like when we were kids, like growing up, you, you'd see the guy that won everything and gets the girl and does this. And you're like, I, I want to be like that guy. Or you'd be like, fuck that guy. I can beat him. Like, mm -hmm. it was always like this, like you'd value the winners, like you'd value the winners. And, and, and it became to a point where like, even for myself, like I, I recognized it in myself of like, I'm self-sabotaging myself because I'd rather had people see me lose because I tried to than to see me try and then fail. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, if I can just be, and again, I, I said this earlier because it's again, something I've been reflecting on of this like martyr mindset of like, I'll be the guy that suffers more. So then I'm better because there's a virtue in suffering. Then like, that's enough. what we see. Yeah. Well, like it's I not, did that for years. Like I'll I'll sit in the cold plunge longer, and what it was actually for it wasn't for my health. It was so I would be seen as the the crazy dude. That's like he. My friend said this to me. He's like, "Oh, you can find comfort in discomfort. Cool. Can you find comfort in comfort?" I was like, "He's like, can you just chill on the couch and have no. a nice time? No, and not think that you're a piece of shit. No, there you, there's your work. Not a chance. Yeah, why?" Yeah. Why? Why can't you just be okay with just chilling? Dude, I can Why can't do, you be okay with rest and slowing down? I can do the same amount in a day. Like if I were to do like eight hours of work, however you measure work, things done, tasks done, work, hours, whatever. 
I could have two identical days. If I wake up at four and go to bed at eight, I will mentally feel better than if I wake up at nine and go to bed at five hours later than that, one in the morning. Yep. Just when I wake up later, I instantly feel mentally defeated. I know that's that dude. There's so many people that I struggle with that for years and I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I don't have an alarm on. I'm like, if for some reason I sleep till nine, I'm like, fuck dude, I must've needed that. Cause I get, I wake up every day at four 30. I, I can't do that. I, I, <laughs> I wake up the, the only times I deviate from my wake up time. It's like way later. Like, it's like, because my body needed it kind of thing. Yeah, okay. So you so do like, do that in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when I say I can't do it, it's because I wake up going, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Mm. This is supposed to be halfway through my day, and I'm just waking up. Like, Yeah, that's that, that. You're a human. You're not a robot. That's just where my brain's at. I know. I've you been know, there. You know what I I've, mean? I've like, fucking spent my, most of my life there. And I would get granular to the point where, like, if I didn't do certain things that day like you're a fucking loser i'm like yeah like that kind of language of like it's perfection yeah and or just can, not feel good like i don't know how to explain it you can not feel good be like oh i had a late start and I, I, I didn't but i'm not gonna be like i used to shit on myself like yeah. fucking bad oh yeah like to the point where i'm like well my whole day's fucked now yeah. it's like oh i say that it phrase doesn't have to every be, time dude. it yeah. doesn't have to be what are you talking about you can still get shit done like nothing like all the things that you can do, you can do them. Yeah, yeah, like, literally. Like, but it, but it's a feeling. Going back to the limbic brain, eighty thousand times faster. It's a feeling. Like my day's fucked, and then you start saying that, and it becomes this self fulfilling prophecy that the day's fucked. You're like, see, it's yeah, fucked. yeah, literally. And I just feel it like that's what I said. Like I could have literally the identical day. Like like do everything, but like a five hour window earlier or later, and it's crazy too because it like almost dictates the stress I'll feel that day. Like when I wake up at four, I get a good workout in like not even a good workout. I won't even qualify the workout. If I just wake up and move mm -hmm. and then I shower and I read oh, good. that one hour or hour and a half, like time period that that takes everything else that happens throughout the day is like, you know, like you shoot me a text. Oh, I'm going to be a little bit late to the gym. All good. Whatever. I don't, care like it's mm. fucking open mat like mm. it's not like a class no. like it's like all good and then like coming back oh yeah this that whatever like the difference between like waking up and doing my morning routine or sleeping in and then doing it is like all of those little moments where yeah. like i would normally be like stressed for no reason like everything has to be on time like for what like oh you know, like, it's like, what, you're going to go to bed 15 minutes later because you have to stay up and do this or that or whatever it is. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But then that doesn't change how you feel when this shit happens. So that's like... But doing the routine does. That's doing what the I'm routine, saying. It, having a routine is very fucking important. What is also important is listening to your body when you do need rest and to have a little bit of extra rest and not to crucify yourself for it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to slow down. Yeah, yeah. Because... Dude, we're in winter right now. Let's look outside. Are the trees slowing down right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does, is there a blooming season in, in spring and summertime and a slowing down? Do you think you're fucking separate from nature? Do you think you... Like, no, nope, 
It's summer every day, <laughs> all day, every day. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking spring. I gotta grow all day, every day. Dude, That's you would you would really like a, a lot of like Norse mythology and like yeah. pagan mythology because sure. a lot a lot of it is like uh, very similar to what you're saying. Like it's a uh, like. Do you know what animism is? Explain it to me. It's just like the belief, like the the, the idea of like everything has consciousness and soul like a spiritual energy i i, I agree with that so that's I like it. that's the that is the like foundation of like a lot of like norse mythology a lot of like any pagan mythology anyone any time they use like gods to explain uh, Dude, environmental South phenomenon america, north america yeah. all of those people see that like we're not separate like the the they call up Gaia, Pachamama, like that's the planet. Like Pachamama is the planet. Like, and we got to treat her well. Mother Nature, Mother Earth, Father Sky. Mm -hmm. Like they they look at it through that lens and like, well, well, we're hurting her. Why are we hurting her? Like, not not the way that we kind of see the world. Yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, you'd like a lot, of, and even the stories they tell, you'd like <laughs> a lot of them, man. I'll. I'll uh... Show you some I've explored some of them. I've explored. Um, <laughs> I've watched videos on Ragnarok. I've watched video how the snake that eats its own tail. Very interesting, principled-based things where you can take and be like, "Where am I eating my own tail?" Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, what am I doing? A question I like to ask myself is like, "What are you hiding from right now?" And it's a very, it's a, it's kind of, it's like a kind of question of like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you hiding from? How much of these questions that you ask yourself are, are, like, influenced by, like, having these experiences with, with hallucinogenic substance? Cause, a lot. Because I think a lot of these questions I wouldn't have thought to ask myself before I had had some of these experiences. Yeah. Because it, it shatters your reality. Or maybe puts a crack in your reality and you kind of see it differently. That's why the Matrix is so fucking interesting. Yeah. The whole concept and is I interesting. Just, yeah, and I just wouldn't be able to wrap my head around what you're asking before. Like, it seems so abstract. I, I get kind of what you're saying. But, like, even just hearing those things, like, if you were to ask me five years ago, ten years ago... I'd be like, what is this person asking me? Like when you say, what are you hiding from? I get what you're saying. But like five years ago, I'd be like, hiding from? I'm sitting here with you. What do you mean hiding from? I mean, it's like, a question you ask yourself and you see how it makes you feel. Yeah, yeah. And Not a thought. It's a feeling of like, if you want to squirm when you ask that, why do you want to squirm? I get, I when you ask that, I think... Um, we can maybe look at it after, but I think my jaw clenched. I think when you said that. Yeah. See that. That's it. See, it's like. Ugh. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. What emotions are you hiding from? That's another one. Yeah. What emotions can you not feel comfortable with? For me, it was anger. I grew up with a dad that was heavily abused by his parents. Heavily abused. So what? What did that cause? He was extremely angry. So what did my dad, I think, was afraid to express his anger in a healthy way. He, he expressed it in a healthy way. He was a blacksmith. Dude. My dad beat iron with fire and metal for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it, it was his way of transmuting some of that into beauty, into art. 
but uh, growing up, I didn't see, I, I part of me resented my dad because I never saw him be violent. I never saw him like lose his fucking mind. So I grew up with this m mindset that anger is weakness. And if you let yourself angry, it can be, it, it can, can be. be, but if what I did is I just didn't let myself feel at all. I'm like, that's weakness. It's like, no, it's an emotion. Mm -hmm. I see my emotions as things I need to develop a relationship with, just like I would develop a relationship with you. So if I feel an emotion, I'm like, oh, hello, sadness. What are we, what are we looking at today? Because I'm feeling sad. So obviously you're there for a reason. You're knocking on my door for a reason. Oh, anger. My anger is like a dam. Was like a dam. I felt a lot of it. It was like a dam. The one that was really difficult was shame because shame hides in the shadows. Shame doesn't want you to even talk about it. Hey, Mark, do you want to talk about what you're ashamed of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck no. no. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, how do you how do you differentiate? I always use the word guilt. What's the difference for you? Do you see a difference? Because I feel like that's kind of the same emotion. I feel guilt is the, I the guess, precursor for shame. Yeah, guilt, I mean, is like, it, guilt is like a bump and shame is like the deeper depths. It's like guilt is like the deposit and shame is like the bank account. Yeah. And I guess too, it's kind of like an accountability thing. Cause like there's guilt. Cause you like, you could feel guilt for something you fucked up, but like you can feel ashamed to something to somebody. You can feel shame about something that somebody did to you, even though you had no responsibility in it. People who are victims of abuse, sexual or physical, yeah. a lot of shame. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it, especially men. Even though they did nothing wrong. They didn't, they were a little kid. Yeah. Oh, I should have done something about it. I, I have a, a person I know who was abused as a child and he had a lot of rage and a lot of shame because he was a little kid, but he's not a little kid anymore. So he's like, if, like, if I saw that motherfucker right now, it's like, yeah, you'd kill him. Yeah. And then your kids have a dad that's in jail. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. So what are we going to do about it now? Yeah. Like, I know you'd kill him. Yeah. You, you can't <laughs> like so all addiction is rooted in shame all addiction because mm -hmm. what does it cause it's like if you if you're addicted it, it's all rooted in that yeah because you the hide the emotion dude, the and then it lingers sin. it builds up and yeah. then you have to find something to plug that hole without which, telling anybody which is the alcohol because they don't know that there's a hole yep. yeah so yeah so you hide anything you hide so that's what i'm saying what are you hiding from Oh, I like, oh, I spend too much time on my phone or I spend too much time on YouTube or pornography mm -hmm. or gambling or sports betting. Why are you hiding? Mm -hmm. What does that give you? Mm -hmm. It's a fucking very uncomfortable conversation to have with yourself. Yeah. Shame is by far the un most uncomfortable emotion that I've ever had to sit with because it will lie to you and try to keep you small and try to tell <laughs> and try to disconnect you. Yeah. One of my spiritual mentors, I call him a spiritual mentor. He's a good friend of mine, but he's, influenced me spiritually in this way is like shame is an emotional cancer that wants to survive and wants to corrupt and disconnect you it doesn't want you to talk to anything about anybody mm -hmm. like the the addict go hide and drink in the dark yeah yeah don't show anybody yeah if somebody sees you you're now exposed which is maybe exactly what you need to get help that's why in AA, what's the first thing they get you to say? Except that you're you're helpless, that you're lost. My name's Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, 
Oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Sorry, they, they, step the, one. The step I one, like literally, the like, first thing you sit there. Maybe you watch. I've, I've never been. I've had friends explain it to me. Some people sit there for six months, never get on stage, never say anything, and one day they're like, "I'm Bob." And I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. What are they doing? They're coming out of the shadows and be like, I have a fucking problem. Yeah. They're not denying it anymore. They're not living in shame anymore. They're like the shame's not running the show. They're like, oh, I'm going to look at you now. Yeah. It's, it's also like a humbling thing of like people that have like 30 years sober. They're still admitting like, hey, I have this thing. I do struggle with that though. I... I I I uh I have mixed feelings about a lot of things. Like I yeah. see, I, welcome to playing a human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of gray areas. Oh yeah. And so the the one thing I don't <laughs> like, I will say, I love step one of like admitting, uh, this thing in my life is a is, problem is unmanageable, and yeah. it's not just a problem, but it's like I can't manage it. Yeah. It's unmanageable for me. Yeah. And so I, I need, need help. help. I need help. And and. I like that. I, I love that, dude. There's a certain part of it, though, that I feel uh, abrasive to, which is like the identity of claiming, like, I'm this. This is me. I'm an addict. I'm this. I always have been. I always will be. And if I don't keep this in check, I'll fall into that. Yeah. And there's truth behind it, but it's also, I, I'm a very big. Um, and I'm sure you are as well. I'm very like sensitive to the subconscious messages you send yourself the by languaging. when you say things like "I am an addict," not "I am somebody that struggled with addiction before." Yeah, but it's not who I am. It's not my identity. Right. So like that's like little things like that I get stuck on so yeah, certain yeah, semantics I, like same. that. If you say "I'm this" or "I'm that," you are now clinging to an identity, and to cling to any identity is to cause yourself suffering eventually yeah eventually i think i think it clings to the permanence that we don't have broken. in life it's if you say i'm an addict i'm a covering addict it's been 30 years it's like no you just like what what if you're not well even to just to say like like it's like it's toying with our perception of permanence like to say like yeah, exactly like i'm a carpenter I, if I chop my hand off tomorrow, I'm not a carpenter, not a carpenter anymore. You Dude. know what I mean? Like, it's like to say Dude, you're so this or you're that. Like, it's like, it's, it's like, do you know how long this timeline is? Like, you're a carpenter now. Yeah, you're an addict now. That's what psychedelics told me, dude. It's but like, you might not be in 15 years or 10 years or one year or. It's like, it, what psychedelics showed me once is like, what if you were, what if you're in a wheelchair right now? Could you still love yourself? Mm -hmm. What if you were a woman? What if you were gay? What if you were this? What if you were that? Could you still love yourself? What if you couldn't do jiu-jitsu anymore? What if you couldn't go to the gym? Mm -hmm. What if you lost everything that you think you are? Could you still love yourself? And I was like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a fucking lot to ask. Yeah, yeah. That's a fucking lot. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And it's just like, that's, that's human. That's human existence. It's like, and, and then here's the thing. You can get way too far down that and then forget that you're a human being that gets angry when you don't eat food. Dude, so I had a... So uh, don't go too far down that fucking path because it'll cause you suffering. <laughs> I had, yo, I had this experience one time where I forgot what I was for a bit. <laughs> yeah, dude. And it's, uh, the, it was the, I've, I've had like, Again, I've never had like a formal uh, experience with hallucinogenics. I've had like a handful of them, and we were talking like a, a mixed bag of like 
meeting up with my best friend and being like, yo, we need to have a journey together. And like, we're going to sit and do you want me to wrap up? So continue finish. okay but like uh yeah like there's been like the times where you're like all right we're gonna do a calculated amount for a calculated and we're gonna kind of be with each other yep. like someone you love someone yep. you trust best friend type of thing safety and then there's like the handful when you're camping and you're just like <laughs> laying in the sand looking at the trees yeah but i had this like one i attribute like the spiritual growth from hallucinogenics was from this day i i i attribute it to and it was like this crazy day, best friend, summer day, laying in a park, like going for a walk around neighborhood, like kind of thing. And then like going back to the room, small panic attack and showering and looking at myself naked mm. in the shower was the weirdest feeling. Like the shower felt like a spaceship. And I remember looking at my dick as if it was like not part of my body but it was on my body yeah and it was the first time my fingers like that before i'm like yeah yeah I'm like, what the fuck, and it's like dude? the first time thinking like what the fuck am i <laughs> what the hell yeah, is dude. going on like, yeah you're like you identify this meat with, bag yeah this. you're like i'm not a meat suit yeah so what the fuck am i what ram das said if you know who ram das is yeah. he's like you're the loving awareness yeah that's what I. That's what I am. I'm the awareness which is steering this meat suit right now. Have you Have you seen that uh, that question where it's like, are you the questioner or the witnesser? Yeah, yeah. I, I do that with meditation. I sometimes get um, like Headspace. If you, anybody has ever used that app, it had this little video at the start t teaching you about meditation. It was like this little thing, this little blob, which is supposed to be you, is sitting on the side of the road watching these cars drive past. And it's like your thoughts are the cars. And a lot of people run out into the road and try and jump on the, jump in the cars. And slow them down. Or... Well, they just jump in the car and like, where's the car going? And it fucking takes you down a back alley and all of a sudden it hits oh, a... Oh, I know you're what like, you're saying. Well, when you actually have to do is you just sit and watch the cars. Yeah. It's like you're the... It's like, oh, I've got this shit, this crazy story going on in your head. Like, who's who's the witness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, are, are you the questioner? Or are you, are you, it's a very interesting thing. And there's different layers of it. You're the, you're the awareness. Yeah. Or like even just like when you have, I have very strong internal dialogue. And what I mean by that is like, I have an auditory memory. I think in auditory, like I think in conversation. I That's the way that I think and I... Like back and forth? Yeah, like I have, have... a conversation with yourself? Like I'll be doing something and I will audit like i can hear it in my head i don't verbally say it out loud yeah oh i have to do this yeah yeah I, same and there's and people in the world like six of them that have none of that i know i know <laughs> and people think differently like i know people that think in pictures i know people that think because i'm weird enough to think about that and ask people yeah yeah but i think auditory i remember conversations well i never had to take notes as a teenager or mm. anything like that if i say something i hear something like at work i say my measurements to myself 53 and 5 8 73 and an eighth like da 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 i just I do, say I do the same thing i repeat it to myself yeah and so Helps. i can't remember why i even brought this up but um uh, we were talking about psychedelics and i was talking we were talking about that time where you looked at yourself you didn't know what your body looked like um you felt separate no I suit. it has something to do with uh the way we think about something. I can't remember why I was... Oh, the witness or the questioner. Oh, dude. And so, like, I will... Like I said, like, I have that that feeling all the time of, like, 
did I just ask that question or am I being asked this question? <laughs> like, is this God? Like, is this God asking me a question? Or am I asking the question from another entity and I'm supposed to wait for an answer? Or am I supposed to answer this? Like, do, like I have that's that. Fucking, that's a, that's a mind fuck, dude. That trips me out all the time. Do I because think because I'm because I exist, or do I exist because I think? Yeah, <laughs> but a lot of the time, I think like I feel like I get anxiety because I'm like I have to answer this question, and I think that like realizing more now and now, it's like I think that that's my subconscious trying to ask the question, and I don't need to answer it. Like I. Maybe I should listen for the answer. Like it's like, yeah, like it's it could be my subconscious reaching out to God, being like, "Yo, is this it?" And I'm just hearing an echo, and it's like maybe you should try and like eavesdrop a bit. Yeah, like and I, a perfect example of that is when you say, "Oh, I I can't figure this out." That that's it immediately stops you. But all of a sudden, if you ask just to whatever God, your subconscious, infinite intelligence, whatever you think is the thing, or whatever. How can I do this? And then just, how can I do this? And you have no answers. And then fucking four hours later, you're like, oh, and like all of a sudden, it's like it, like your subconscious takes it. I've seen my subconscious in, with psychedelics. It didn't have a mouth. It it had eyes, and it was like this big blob, like this, like almost looked like a Pokemon. And he was really big, like Ditto. Yeah, it's like Ditto, kind of like just fucking giant. And he didn't have a mouth, but he would communicate to me through feeling, like in my body. It was a thing in my body. And it was my sub. It was my. It was my prefrontal cortex, my thinking brain. It was his job to protect my subconscious, but then it's my mm. subconscious's job to also protect my prefrontal cortex. If my subconscious is picking up on something that's deeply like, oh, this is unsafe right now, dude. Hey, like, there's this fucking. You're in this party. It does, it, all of a sudden, something has changed, and your thinking brain hasn't fucking picked up on it. You need to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. You ever had moments like that where you're just like chilling? All of a sudden, you're like, doesn't feel good. I don't, oh, know why it, I don't know why it doesn't feel good. And your brain is like, oh, I, ca- I can't see anything going on. That's your subconscious. I, th- I, I learned that that's how they communicate. They, they're there to protect each other. So what you feed yourself and your mind through what you, what, what you put in your eyes and what you put in your ears is my way of protecting my subconscious. Because if I just program that thing, it'll just fucking spit back. Like, I could tell it anything. And it'll be like, yep, that's what you are. And it'll start bringing those things into your awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you got to be really careful with psychedelics because psychedelics can fuck around with you bad. Yeah. And I think, yeah, because I think it's kind of, the way I've tried to explain it is like it kind of hits the refresh on neurological pathways. And if you have good ones and it fucks that up, like it can kind of definitely... I haven't had any like destabilizing. Yeah. I personally haven't had any negative experiences with them other than like, I I think what people equate to as a bad trip, which I found was the most substantial trip I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. But people say it's a bad trip because they felt like shit the whole time. It's like, maybe that's something you're avoiding and going back to what you're hiding. Maybe needed it. You needed it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the worst time I had was the day that I, it was like probably the day that I didn't want to ever think about suicide ever again was like after the day I explained to you, except when my buddy left, I took another handful of them and then just like cried in my bed for hours. I've seen a buddy do that with that as a relationship with his mother. Yeah. Like we were supposed to go on out in Bali. We were supposed to go out and party. He just cried for like seven hours straight. Yeah. He's like, I don't, the next day, I don't hate my mom. 
Yeah. Or for you, it's like, I don't want to die. Yeah, I don't want to die. It's like, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe those tears are what was needed that you've been pushing away. Yeah. What are you hiding from? Are you hiding from tears? Are you hiding from pain? Are you hiding from... Here's the the best way you can describe what you're hiding from, if you're listening. If if you think about it and you divert from it and you you wriggle and you want to go on your phone or you don't want to sit with it, that, that is... Just like if you put a lacrosse ball on a really hot, like painful part of your glute and all of a sudden you're chilling on it for a bit and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it doesn't hurt as much. Subconsciously, you moved off the point. It's painful. You ever had that? Like yeah, you got yeah, a good yeah. spot. You're like, oh, it's a fucking good spot. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it doesn't hurt that bad anymore. Maybe I melted away. And then you move slightly and you actually, without you fucking noticing at all, you went off the painful spot because both physically and psychologically out, we're programmed to avoid pain. Right. So the question, what are you hiding from? I'm inviting you to sit with something painful. And it's not very fun, but there's freedom. One of my favorite quotes is by, by Joseph Campbell. It says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Yeah, yeah, The thing yeah. you want most is on the other side of the thing you're avoiding most. Wow, that's so cool, man. <laughs> that's so sick. I it's love like, that. It's like, no, it can't be. It is. Yeah, it definitely that fe- is. That freedom... That that whatever you fucking think you want most, dude. In my relationship, I I've been with Lexi for fucking nine years in April. Long Holy time. shit! Nice. We, it's it's the greatest greatest lesson and experience about knowing about myself that I've ever been in. It is fucking wild being with somebody for that long. We've been together since we were twenty two and twenty one. And, we, and we're not the same people. And I was going to say the amount of change, like it's even wild, even with Teddy and I, like we've been like taking it serious for three years and the amount of little like mannerisms or habits or thought process or the way they think or the way they speak changes so much, even in just a year or three years, like in nine years, I'm a, I'm a different person than I was five years ago and that person is a different person than i was five years oh it's not before yeah dude like i basically for a long time blocked myself from the love that i was wanting in this relationship i was waiting for her to give it to me mm-hmm. but what i was doing is i was hiding parts of myself from her that i was so ashamed about like the beautiful sensitive kid that i was that played clarinet grew flowers all this kind of stuff that i was like that's not okay to be you so i hid it away so I didn't actually, I wasn't able to ever fully receive all the love that I really wanted. So I used to think it was, oh, maybe it's her. Oh, yeah. Maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. Oh, it's else. always her. Yeah, yeah. Especially like, with what guys if, like us. What if it's you? And what if you are hiding from parts of yourself that if you showed them to her and she loved you, you're actually loving yourself? Mm-hmm. I was like, and I, I've, uh, we've done that. And I've showed, dude, she knows so much about me and she's still with me. And sometimes I'm like, like I've been a fucking nightmare at times. Like it's like I didn't even know, but I'm so grateful. Yeah, it's like I'm grateful. Is this is a weird perspective? I'm grateful for both of us for some of our insecurities that that kept us together, mm-hmm. that were scared to leave because yeah. now we get to see the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. Because if she had have been who she was now five years ago, she wouldn't be with me. There's no fucking way. Because some of the stuff I used to do and some of the stuff I used to act like and the things I would say and things and not do, if she was the woman she was when she she is now, she's 30, about to turn 31, if she was that when she was 25, she'd be like, fuck this, dude, man. This guy's a fucking mess. 
Mm -hmm. I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. But she stayed. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know what you, I know exactly what you mean. And, yep. and, and I know like, uh, I, there's been so many times like w in our relationship where I'm like, there's certain things that I won't tolerate or there's certain things that, you know, I won't apologize for doing this, this <laughs> and this. And like, it's, it's weird too, because I like, I flip flop so much mm. and I think it's like kind of a, a similar thing that uh, I I will wrap this up. Sorry, I no, know I suck. At, I suck at these things, like ending things. But that's yeah, all good. I I know for myself, like I I um I'm always scared of like uh, I wouldn't say abandonment or like that. That's where the idea of like what we were talking about earlier of like not being good enough for me. It's because I feel like I'm going to be maybe a burden or maybe like, and so like there's going to be like this, I need to be better so that other people won't go away and find better and all these things. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I, I know for me in the very beginning of like our relationships and even to this point now, I struggle asking for things. I struggle. Same. I, I struggled asking for what I needed because I felt bad. Because I'm like, what if she can't give me what I need? And what if well, she not thinks, even that? But what if what if it's too annoying for her? Yeah, yeah. What, what if, if it's yeah. a burden? What if it's like she's got her own stuff going on? That's what I imagine. I mean, she's got. Stuff. And it's embarrassing to like, oh, oh, you can't handle just doing the dishes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, you can't handle doing the laundry as well. Oh, you can't handle working a ten-hour shift as well oh you can't handle it. and that's the conversation i have is like oh you're gonna put this burden on someone else's plate like i'm sure you can take care of this until it's like resentments built up it of builds like up and then you project it onto them and yeah. it's actually all things that you haven't communicated about how you saying, felt well i need help with this and this and this and then they're like yeah why didn't you ask me and you're like Dude, that's what that was us and, and then you're like, like why didn't you tell me I'm why like, didn't i tell her Dude, I almost, it's like, I, dude, I almost ended our relationship because of that. Yeah, it's like, what? Did I not think she was capable? Like, obviously, she's capable. I, it's it, like, it's like, did I think she was so weak that I, that I, going back to that butterfly analogy, did I break her? Did I think that she couldn't handle? Yeah. By you not sharing things that you are scared of and you are working with, and I know men are like, yeah, you shouldn't tell your girl what you're going with because it's going through because they can't handle it and they'll just get scared. Women are fucking unbelievably strong. If you have a, a woman that can't handle that shit, or you, th or that's the story you tell yourself that she can't handle it. Yeah, it's a how guy. Will, you how you're a gay then? No, it just, just, just like, <laughs> it's like no. or, <laughs> or you're just like you're confused. That's a man, man, dude. It's like you're you're not allowing her to develop the strength that she needs. Yeah. To develop. Yeah, yeah. If she can't stand with you in the fire, because you won't, you don't think she can handle it. You'll just become this bitter, resentful dude that will just think it's somewhere else. Yeah. And it's not. It's it's you. It's it's you, bro. Yeah, and I think also like I, I know for myself, I I've uh I think it's such a good feeling to give a gift, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know, like when you give someone a gift and they like like it, you're like, Oh fuck yeah, I did it. And I think that when you are struggling with something and you could you could ask for help like for so that i could ask for you like we have this internal dialogue of like i don't want to feel like less of a man than him so i'm not going to ask that yeah, of like that's, that's and, dangerous and i think that when you're doing that you're kind of robbing 
you're robbing the people you love of the opportunity to have the good feeling of them knowing they're there for you. You get what yep. I'm saying? 100%, dude. And I think that a lot of the time as men, like we are we are meant to be providers in a lot of areas of life. And I think that women have the exact same thing. And I think that women are supposed to be like, I... I kind and of nurturing like, the feminine energy is nurturing and caring. The and, way that they provide is by like allowing, yeah. like the, I, I'm trying to find a way to word this, but basically like men fix things, women fix men. That's the way I think of it. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the way I genuinely think about it. I'm yeah. Like, like that saying men, behind every great man is a great woman. Men build things. They build houses. They like, and again, I understand there's nuance. I'm just saying and women can do that too. Yeah, like yeah. they're not saying you can't do it. I'm saying most of the time, most men enjoy to do that and naturally have some sort of drive drive towards that. Yep. And uh, again, I don't want to get caught let's in say, semantics. Maybe, let's maybe but, use the energy, the masculine energy. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get, yeah, I don't want to yeah, get yeah. caught in the semantics. Yeah. But what I'm it. trying to say is like, it, dude. for, uh, to, for, for, uh, to be blunt, I think a lot of women, they're, what they, the value that they feel like they have to offer is to help people and to care for people and to listen to the problem and to be a comfort and empathize. And like, yep. it's not always like, a, oh, if this, then just do this. That's, like it's that's men stuff. It's like the, the opportunity, like they're providing sometimes is just being in here, just being there, like being like. Uh, I know a lot of the time there's certain times where I like, I'll go to my girlfriend. I'll be like, I just need to like chill out for a sec. Like, do you mind taking care of this, this, and this? Like, I, I don't always need like, uh, an ear, but sometimes it's just like, uh, if, if I chill out, things won't get fucked. Like, like the dishes will get done. The laundry yeah, yeah, will yeah. get done. Like the life will carry on if I just unplug for 15 minutes. For me, that's the emotional support I need. Yeah, yeah. Is like, just like, I need to unplug for 15, 20 minutes. I just want to make sure the world's not burning when I come back. Like, that's how I feel a lot of the time. And like, even that emotional support is so like, if, if you don't give someone the opportunity to give you the support you need, then they feel like it's like it's like this double resentment. Exactly. Because you build resentments and then they feel like, oh, nothing Why I can he... do makes them feel good. No. And then they build a resentment. And then and the relationship ends and there's so many fucking people that are like that and they just don't see that it's actually them. It's like the guy that's like, dude, all my exes are fucking crazy bitches. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. what's the common theme? <laughs> you. You. <laughs> yeah. What do they all have in common? Uh, me? Yeah. Dude, I know dudes that date the same girl and they've got different names. Are they, yeah. They're different human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, dude, I swear that's the same fucking chick with the same problems, the same things you're dealing with your relationship. Yeah. Didn't you have that same thing with fucking Jessica or Caroline or fucking whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's just fucked. I'm like, it's because it's you. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, It's you. Yeah. What are you looking for in this person? Like, Yeah, uh, like yeah, what yeah. are you looking for in this person that, that you're like, actually bro, looking she's hot. You're like, it's like, ah, okay. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Not good, dude. Love oh, you, man. You're like, all right, bro. Have yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> have fun. All right, boys. Make hay while the sun shines, oh, I guess. God. I don't know. Oh, man. All right. Well, 
on that note, I love that. There's so many things I I I, I want to revisit and talk about, but do it again, um, dude. yeah, we will definitely do this again. We gotta jump on your podcast as well. Yep. But um, yeah, dude, that was a wicked start to the day. It kind of feels like the day's almost over, and then I'm like, oh yeah, we still have the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, but we do. Um, it's uh just about to be two. It's a, it's one forty six. We've been going at this for a long time, and like, dude, it feels like this. Yeah, I was it's, gonna say I don't even know how long it's been, but it's been uh, probably almost two hours. Fuck yeah. Actually, I can check, but let's have a look. Two hours and seven minutes. Crazy. Fuck yeah, but um, yeah, out of respect for your time, man, I'll let you <laughs> get on with your Saturday afternoon, but um, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts or anything that you wanted to uh, direct people to or say anything or... Hmm. Um... If you want to find me on Instagram, it's just Aaron Lynch Potter. It's A H R E N L Y N C H P O W T E R. I'll throw that in the description. Yeah, my, everything pod- like my that. podcast is all there. But for thoughts, like, hmm, you're you're put on this earth to feel, and every everything that you want, whether or not it's that car, whether or not it's children, whether or not it is the business. Just understand that you're actually looking for a feeling. Like one of my favorite people, Peter Crone, said something that blew my fucking mind. He said, what children really give people is the access to the love that already existed within them. I was like, whoa. Like what is it like? Because going back to taking personal responsibility for your emotions, like you can't make me feel anything. You could be a complete fucking asshole. And I either I choose to stick around because I don't value myself or I choose to leave because I value myself. So it's just like we have complete and utter responsibility for our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings. They are ours. So if you can experience these feelings and thoughts before the event actually arrives, you can attract that to you. It's what Joe Dispenza says, like, have a vision for the future and the only thing you can actually feel these gratitude like whatever it is right now the gratitude of like the other day i was sitting there imagining getting my purple belt then i imagine getting my brown belt then i imagine getting my black belt and like i actually like feeling it and i was like man imagine the feeling of getting a black belt like after 10 15 years mm-hmm. what that would feel like and i imagine like paying off some of the debt that i have right now or or like like doing a do like having a bunch of people listening to the podcast and having messages sent to me or coaching men and things that I want to do or potentially being a father one day or like if for example I go to Australia in a month I imagine what it's going to feel like to hug my mom and I haven't seen her in four and a half years and it was her 60th birthday and hugging my dad and the feeling of that and like and basking in that and letting it run through my body and like letting the emotions of the tears come out i was like this is fucking again look in the windshield look at your future because yes we've all had difficult past yes we've had issues we've had things we this that's life on planet earth some of us had a really fucking shit roll of the dice but that's in the rearview mirror eventually you're going to have to focus on what's through the windshield your future and if you sit there every single day and start reprogramming and start focusing these like beautiful feelings on things that you're looking forward to, 
you'll attract them to you because the only thing that separates you and that thing is time. And the more time you spend there, we are attracted to what is familiar. Mm -hmm. So if it becomes familiar to you when it eventually comes, it's like he says it's an experiment with destiny. What if you like have these thoughts and these imaginations and all of a sudden you fucking create it and you'd be like, what the fuck? So I'm a creator. I'm not a mm-hmm. consumer. I'm not a victim. I'm actually a creator. And eventually like watching that black belt get wrapped around my waist, I'd be like, dude, I fucking thought of this 10 years ago. And it's like, I'm fucking seeing it. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. That's what we need to do. That's, that's how you change your life is... Yes, look in the rearview mirror if you need to, if it's really fucking your life up. But at the same time, you can look and you can look forward. That's what I want to kind of close people with because that I'm coming to the end of a three-year journey of looking in the rearview mirror, looking at all the things that are wrong with me, just to get the lesson of like, hey, stop looking at that because you're 31, you'll be 32, 33, 34, 40, fucking 41, 42. If you just keep looking there about all the traumas and all the things that that are bad you're wasting your life. It was, it was a very humbling experience. Yeah. yeah. It's like I've caught up. I now know things that have, these big things. I don't, think, I don't feel like anything's going to sneak up on me. It's just like, okay, what are you going to do with it now? Time to look forward. Let's fucking go. Yeah, I love that, man. Like uh, there's no way to prepare for anything or, or for everything. No. Like you can't just live looking at yesterday. No. Because you it's gone. Yeah. The past is the past, and it couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Because it didn't. Yeah. I had a I had a manager a long time ago who uh, was a sales manager, and he always said the, some will, some won't, so who's next? Yeah, have yeah. you ever heard that? I've heard. I'm so, sure you've I've heard, heard variations s- of it. Some will, some won't, so what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Some will, some won't. So who's next? And it was just like a laissez-faire way of saying, like, yeah. So what? What next? What are you doing next? Yep. What now? Okay, yeah. the bad shit. Okay, terrible, fucking horrible stuff. What are we gonna? Wh- what's the future gonna look like? Yeah. It's like yeah and yeah <laughs> yeah and yep. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll uh, I'll wrap this up for anybody that's still listening or watching this. Thank you guys very much for joining in. Uh, make sure you go and check out uh, yeah, everything that he's got going on. I will uh, drop all of your uh, links in the description as well so you don't have to worry about like re- remembering anything, anybody listening to that. But uh, yeah, I'll check you guys on Monday. Much love. Peace out. See you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.